I'm Kelsey. I'm Cassie. And I'm Nolan from SCP Weekly. We bring you news from on-site and off-site. And we share your love for the creative community that surrounds the SCP Wiki. Join us on Tuesdays for new episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on YouTube at SCP Weekly. Hey there, SCP fans. My name is Grigori Carpin, and this is Simply Creative People, the show about SCP creatives, be they authors, artists, or off-site content creators like YouTube and TikTok. We're focused on bridging the gap between various fans and serving as an introduction to different concepts and stories on the wiki. So, many welcomes to all, and let's get started. Uh, welcome back to Simply Creative People, with no delay, because we just released an episode. <laughs> My name is Gregory Carpin, author in the wiki, on the wiki. Uh, joined author trapped within the walls of the wiki. Sometimes it really feels like that, yes. Um... And then trying as always, who was just speaking. I am the very first Harry Blank. And our welcoming back our is this is the third time you've been on, right, Blake? Maybe fourth. Fourth. Just okay. can't can't get rid of this guy. Oh yeah, you're uh. yeah, you're right. Because there was the comedy one, and then we did one that was about KCON winners, or not winners, but ones we liked from KCONs. And then yeah, some underrated ones. Yeah, that's right. And then, or the other ones from 7K, maybe that was what we did. Anyway. Yeah, with 7K. Many so, episodes. Our guest is Plagued PJP. Hello, welcome back. Going on, everybody. <laughs> um, so today, uh, because when we were talking about uh oh ones the first time with Plague, uh oh ones, <laughs> we uh, you know, it became pretty clear that like. There was no way we we're going to cover every all of the ones that we wanted to cover, especially the ones we really wanted to dig in for because they were really long. So we thought when we were talking about this behind the scenes that we would just each pick one and go in deep. Um, so, yeah, just a warning ahead of time. You know, usually we try to avoid spoiling the articles, especially if there's twists. We're not going to do that this time. We're going to go kind of on a deep dive. These are all pretty famous articles. Um not that we don't want you to go and read it if you haven't, but uh, we're going to talk about them pretty in depth. Uh, so that's yeah. your warning. Um, but for anybody that maybe doesn't know, who maybe missed the first episode or hasn't looked at ones, we have a lot of listeners who are not regular readers. Um, and, you know, I wanted to try and explain what an one is. So we'll each kind of give our little spiel. But in general... Uh, the 001 is the first slot on the first series of the SCP Wiki, of the main list. But instead of there being only one article, like there typically is, uh, you click on it and you get a, uh, a meta-kill agent image, uh, and it's told that you're not allowed to be looking at this, and you have to scroll down a ridiculous amount of uh, page uh, to find out that there are multiple 001 proposals. Uh, and they're typically named, well, they're named whatever somebody wants to name them, but typically they're named uh, on the basis of the author uh, or the author's avatar or whatever. Yeah, specifically they're all named code name, author name, actual title. So, uh, for example, I believe it's something like code name, Plague PJP, the ones that got away, something like that. I actually, me and around their house, I guess broke that rule. Yeah, because you're fucking so special. Well, he, he listed his as, like, round their house's proposal. I was like, oh, okay, I like that. So then I did that. And then Davey Fool did it, and one more person has done it. Yeah. 
So it's usually either author name or author avatar name. It's it's fairly open at this point. And to be honest, you know, because so many people have only done one, although Harry, you've done a few, and uh, well, no, I guess have the I? other one isn't. Well, well sort of. Isn't the other one? That's right. It's I've done one, Shadow and I've done one that kind of is. <laughs> but Rounder's done three so far, um, and we'll do a fourth soon. And uh, DJ Cactus very famously has done a bunch of them. Tahoni like, has done a like, few of them. Like five at this point. I mean. Yeah. Um, so uh, so Ip's got a bunch. A lot of times, yeah, Ip's got a few. Three. Um, a lot of times we reference these articles by the name of their author. Like the first yeah. one we'll be talking about today is Tufto's Proposal. Yeah, yeah, there's more to it than that. But a lot of times that's as simple as you can. Now, the minute you get into the people that have done more than one, obviously that doesn't get as simple. But very often we just refer to it as the author. And for a long time, the 001 was sort of considered to be sort of the pinnacle of your SCP career. Um, uh-huh. Specifically, a, you know, this is that thing that you're going to make that's going to either make waves or is going to be one of the things you're remembered for. Not all authors do it. Uh, I have not technically done one, uh, although I did. <laughs> it's only it. technically now. Yeah, uh, I did sort of join one in the fact that we did a joke one, uh, which has done very well for a joke article. A bracket uh, David's proposal. It's very funny. A peek behind the curtain. Peek is spelled P E A K. <laughs> yeah, just to make everybody angry. Or, I guess or, or more seen, specifically, me. I've seen so many comments. They're like, isn't it supposed to be peak? P E E K? No. Horrible. You've corrected my shit a few times. I misspell that all the time. And I was one of the people that proposed that title and I misspelled it and then they were like oh yeah we should keep the misspelling and I was like oh right yeah that's funny <laughs> oh that's great that's great that's wonderful good contribution um I also did the smoke bomb bit uh, right you're the ending yeah but um anyway so today we're going to be breaking in deep to one. so what are those so like I said they're often considered to be kind of the pinnacle but in universe the idea is that no one can really know what the real 001 is. So all these other proposals, uh, which one is real, which one isn't, that's sort of the the meta explanation for why there's so many. In reality, it's just, you know, they, they didn't want to leave it for just one author when this practice first got started. Uh, and it became a thing where it was open to anyone. Uh, but yeah, they, the, uh, the phrasing on the page is particularly entertaining. It's one of the better bits of phrasing from an early page and it says that something like multiple and or no fake proposals have been appended to this list (laughs) some of them and possibly none of these are false yeah um and oftentimes though not every single time uh these are articles that have something to do with the foundation or the the nature of anomalies in general, or some very grandiose aspect of the history of this world. Um, yeah, one of the ones we'll talk about today very clearly breaks that pattern, uh, and a bunch of the other ones do too. Actually, one of my favorites, which is a record uh, by Kate Materis, is does not do that either. But um, oftentimes there is some meta aspect to it not necessarily pataphysical or meta in in universe but the nature of the article and the subject matter is actually explaining something about the scp wiki 
So yeah, what do you guys what, what do you guys think about when you think about oh ones? Do we arm wrestle, or you want to go first? I can take it. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so for me, like uh, Gregory said, I agree that it's kind of like a capstone project. Um, I have written my own, and I have no plans of writing another one because I'm also of the opinion that everybody should get one. <laughs> it's very controversial. Um, yeah, well, one, too bad. Yeah, I know. Um, another one, me, like I said, is the pinnacle. For me, it was um, taking a bunch of my old deleted articles and trying to spin it in a way for what happened in universe. Why are those articles deleted? So I had a lot of fun with that, and I think that's a similar um, way everybody looks at it, is taking a personal element that you have of the SCP Wiki, Round Their House's proposal comes to mind, or his is sort of about how old the old site, as we've moved on from that and buried it, and we paid our respects, but now we're moving on to something better and newer. So his OO1 proposal is about burying the old overseers, which are all author avatars of um, a bunch of older characters and a bunch of older authors who are no longer around. So I look at it as a very personal piece, something that you do want to be remembered for, something that you put the most work in. And I think that's what most people look at it as. Yeah. Um, I've uh, come to think of it as a, I've, I've said this couple different times in different places but as a, a curiosity cabinet because the 001 list is in in practice now filled with really interesting stories that are heightened as opposed to your regular scp they've usually got a bit more drama they've usually got a bit more uh, flourish and a little bit more style they're often longer and you can scroll through there and you aren't going to find very many things that are just another story um as for how it started out, it literally started out as they couldn't agree that anybody had written one that was good enough, so they locked the slot until somebody came up with one worthy of the slot, which was the actual language used on the page at the time. And then they were like, we'll just do a contest where you propose which one you want to, to be in, and eventually we'll vote on which one. And we just eventually decided not to do that, which is why they're called proposals, but there will never be an accepted proposal. And uh, people are on... The Reddit and shit are always saying, "When are you going to decide which one's real?" And the answer is never, absolutely never. There, and people are always, "Oh, there's another one." So, oh yeah, it sucks when people do a big project and put a lot of extra work into it, and then you get to read it for free. I hate that. Wish they'd just stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that happened completely organically, and it's funny that it happened because the people that were around in the community was much, much, much smaller then. Um, right. were like, well, we're not sure if anybody's really done anything that really is important enough to be the first thing, and instead worked it at its way through the pack for, that we could get to this point, where it's just something. It's, it's It can yeah. be any number of things. Um, and because of that, we've gotten some of the really most ambitious and interesting articles. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and none and... of them are, I would say, perfect, but like... They're always, like you said, they're kind of on another level. And you can tell just by the amount of effort that goes into most of them, at least the ones that have come out in like the last eight, nine years. Um, yeah, right. it's, it's a, it, sorry, go on. Didn't mean to interrupt you there. I was just going to say, it, it's, it, it's complementary to the idea of the KCONs because with the KCON, everybody tries to bring their best. You try to do your best job 
and one person wins and everybody else is fucked, you can't get a KCON. It's not a thing most people can get. It's not a thing most people will ever be able to get because it's because it's we decided that those slots that everybody wants would be done by a contest where one person gets them. And with the 001 slot, it is equally like exciting. Like, oh, the very first SCP. And instead of going only one person gets it, we go for this one thing, everybody can put in their guess. And as long as it's not crap and as long as it lives, it gets to be there forever, which is it's it's nice. It's not a consolation prize. Um, it, it is obviously less. Um, there is less scrutiny than a KCON, and it is less prestigious than winning a KCON. But it is still like, it is the very next thing because you still have to go through way more scrutiny than you have to go through for anything else you post at the wiki, except for a, a joke article. Yeah, yeah. Joke articles definitely reason. get more scrutiny than yeah. the one proposals. Yeah. <laughs> but for whatever reason, and it's great. Um, Pretty much everybody in the community kind of drops what they're doing to look at a new yeah yeah proposal. yeah. Um, the only guaranteed way to get people to read something is to either do a joke article or to do a double yeah. one proposal. Yeah, it's funny about joke articles being like, I feel like everyone jumps in just to be like, I just can't wait to say this isn't funny. Yeah, that's the thing. It's with both of these kinds of articles. With double ones, people jump in to go, it doesn't feel like a double one, and with jokes, they jump in to go, I didn't laugh. <laughs> Yeah, the, the whole it doesn't feel like blank is so stupid because there's such a variety. Like, there are ones like Tuftos and Kalanins, and there are ones like the Record or like Placeholders. There's the Prototype. There's the fucking Factory. No, you know what I mean? Like, the, there's so yeah, much variation. Um, the Factory is a bad example since there's two of them. <laughs> right, yeah. Or like that Wondertainment one, uh, which I love. Um, but, oh, uh, but was that Ron, John Silver? Or I can't remember. Yeah. I think that's is that who it is? Who did the who did the Wondertainment one? Uh, it's it's a toy maker. Uh, I think it's wrong, John Silver. But just simple toy maker. A simple toy maker. Jim North. It's actually Jim North. Jim North. Oh, okay. Um, it's not the wrong John Silver though. Yeah, they did one. I can't remember what it is. But. Uh, you know, and that one is, well, we can't decide because the, the lore doesn't really decide which one of these versions of Dr. Wondertainment is real. Well, here, I'll explain that. And it, the way they explained it yeah. was like the way I explained the Deva on the hub, which was all of it. Or the way you explain VKTM, which is just, fuck you, it's everything. Who knows? <laughs> uh, it looks like there is no Ron John Silver proposal. That's, that's weird. Why was that in my head? Thanks to Plague for backing me up, even. Isn't there a Dr. Wrong and a Long John Silver? There is a Wrong. There is a Wrong. That's the consensus. But there is no Silver. I think, I think we've, all, we've all just been imagining. We're imaginative bunch, the authors. Yeah. Oh. No, no, he has one. WJS proposal. Oh, it's WJS. That's why it's, it's done like that so that you can't fucking find it. Good job. I actually, Gregory, you brought up scrutiny as a... I actually disagree that... Oh, ones aren't given as much scrutiny as a KCON. I've gotten some of the most insightful crit on, or comments, I mean, critical comments, just regular comments on my KCON entries and my 001 entries. I think that a 001, even today, when there's what, like almost 50 of them now, probably maybe even over, that no, it's I still taken. Like, you're getting close to 50. There's. There's, take, there's still a level of respect to that slot, similar to how much people respect like a KCON slot. Yeah, that's what I, I, yeah, that's I, I did. I do mean that. I, I just mean that it's oh, okay. slightly more on the KCONs because they're a 
uh, artificially scarce commodity, right? Well, also because contests just get so much attention. People that are have not been involved for months and months and months will pop back in and either do an entry or read all the entries for KCONs. That isn't yeah. always the case with the ones. Yeah, um, but the, 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 as, as a general rule, when a 001 goes up, even if the site is dead, it gets read very frequently by a lot of people. If you posted one right now when the site essentially is dead right now, uh, then it would probably still, if it wasn't crap, jump right up there. Or yeah, jump right down there. And pretty much all the surviving ones, uh, you know, it's 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 rare to see one under 100 um, because it gets so much attention. And if they're surviving, it's usually because it's like, wow, this this idea was worth it. E even even some of the controversial ones, you can be like, wow, this was this is something. <laughs> you know, there are ones that I don't yeah. like that I still look at and go, wow, this is you know, I'm impressed by the project even if I didn't like it. Yep, there's uh there's at present no English language originally posted 001s on the site that are lower than 60. Uh, the lowest rated, of course, is Abstrom's proposal at negative 68, but that doesn't count because it's archived. Yeah, that really counts. Just oh, there because it's old. Oh, that's right. The most recent one is under 100. But you know, that's yeah. it's recent. There's always it's a more like, recent one. Yeah, it, it, it'll it'll pop up. Uh, they all move up eventually, or they yeah, they, if they survive, they always move up. They don't always survive, and sometimes we've seen really good ones die. That's less frequently a thing. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, and sometimes they come back later. I mean, the Neon God was originally a 001. It was completely rewritten to be a K-Con entry. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that worked out pretty goddamn well. It certainly did. Although, as as I will talk about fairly shortly, uh, it makes a lot of sense that the Neon God was a, a 001. But anyway... Uh, okay, so we are going to talk about three articles today. We're going to talk about Tufto's proposal. We're going to talk about Callanan's proposal, which I'm sorry, I know, I know you guys probably just skimmed it, but it, that that's real long. Um, and we're going to talk about McDoctor's proposal, which is the, the most bite-sized, I would say. But uh, these are all pretty long, and they've got a lot of really interesting twists and turns. So we're going to... Yeah, McDoctor, it's as longer than it is in word count because it requires you to exercise your brain on almost every sentence um <clears throat> all right so uh plague Tufto. you picked Tuftos. uh yep. so uh, and this one came out i actually wrote down dates for this for some reason uh so this nice. one came out in may uh end of may 2018 yep feels like a 2018 article for sure it does yeah this is one of the uh highest rated ones uh, it's and, in the top five. And uh, rightfully no fucking surprise. so. Uh, I nope. used to think not that much of this because of the Scarlet King connection. And man, rereading it just made me kind of go, what the fuck was I talking about? This thing's great. <laughs> yeah, this is um, one of the first articles I read that really like hooked me into this site, I'd say. That's fair. Um, so basically, it's an article that is about the Scarlet King. So it's originally presented in the description as describing the Scarlet King as some sort of primeval god that uh, the Foundation has been investigating since the 1800s. And the entire article, for the most part, is basically just a conversation between two guys. Robert Montauk and then uh, a member of the Children of the Scarlet King who's given the designation POI-3172. And so as you continue... You peel back the mystery of what the Scarlet King is. 
and it's eventually revealed that the Scarlet King is sort of manifestation of or the counter to the foundation being personification of modernity as the Scarlet King is that primal uh, energy that needs to counter that modernity. Yeah, it's it's anti-modernity as a as a god, basically. Um, Which is a really clever idea. Yeah, it's really so. Just some basics about what the Scarlet King is, if you don't know, listeners. Scarlet King is a concept that's existed on the wiki before this uh, article for quite a while. Uh, I think all the way back to two thirty one, um, and it's popped up here or there. Um, Mo a lot in, in clef stuff early on and then was kind of taken and run with it there's these this very widespread cult called the children of the scarlet king and in a lot of ways prior to this article it was described as this kind of unknowable eldritch thing that is more akin to like just evil with a capital e there's there's a article 2317 which is it's this giant thing under the earth that they think maybe is the scarlet king um and that's like he's it's just the devil it's it's just the fucking devil it's a red guy with horns um mm. and this article takes that as the starting point and then kind of leads you through the garden path in this you know in a fairly roundabout way um so Let's see. It's said to exist in several alternate dimensions simultaneously. Uh, and it's always trying to... The, the cultists and others are always trying to get uh, the Silent King to manifest here. And the reason the Foundation doesn't want to do that other than just, you know, we have enough deadly gods is it's going to cause a serious K-class scenario wherein the imminent alteration of reality or eradication of all human life is caused by the interaction between two anomalous objects of radically different types. <laughs> but you you learn that right after finding out that containment is not necessary, which is a pretty great hook because the Conprox and the actual description part at the very beginning are pretty small. And, and it's like, wait a minute. The Scarlet King, object class safe. Yeah. It's just, wait, and and we find out <laughs> that Montauk, this doctor who has been mentioned before in 231 especially, downgrades it to say, uh Yeah, procedure 110 Montauk. Um, yeah, I don't memorize it well because I don't like thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> downgrades it to safe, proposes it to the O5 Council. They agree. Done deal. And he's the expert because he's been studying the Scarlet King forever. He was the lead on both 231 and 2317. Um, and so, you know, we should trust his word. But also, they just said that if it ever gets manifested here, we're fucked. And there are all these instances later on that show either the Children of the Scarlet King or the GOC or the elements of the Serpent's Hand or any number of other miniature little cult groups that in recent years, not just way back in history, but in recent years have tried somehow to uh, manifest it here in our reality. So it seems like, oh, this is a pretty big deal. This is important. Why? How is it safe? You know, what are the activities we should be doing? And um, basically, the interviews with Depeche, with the, this person of interest, and these other supplementary documentation uh, documents are leading you to the understanding of why. Like, why it was declared as safe and what the actual discussion was. Um, 
the interviews are really good because they kind of frame all the following information uh but you know, the real meat is in this you know and it's such an obvious tufta article because it does such a good job of, of, of factory and like history and first first uh, or primary accounts right is that what you call it Harry? yeah 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 um so like for example there's a guy named jack hurst or i can't remember his name but uh he was a he was a defector from the cult and he had this crazy reality bending power that he could put his consciousness back in time into other people's experiences and experience events firsthand he wasn't actually traveling in time he couldn't change history but his consciousness would go back uh which is such a cool idea that it could be an entire article by itself by the way um and he experiences a fight uh, like a battle between the Scarlet King and the Children of the Urns, which is SCP-3838. Um, and these were these nomads that were consistently opposing um, the Scarlet King's forces. Um, and in that battle, seven brides of the king are stolen away. And all these things that seem very momentous, but the like, most important thing is that he keeps flashing back and forth between the actual battle and this other place that is sort of a blighted wasteland where everything is red and there's this strong wind and on the wind you can kind of hear a voice um the thing about the, it's broken up into these three phases which is blood concrete and howling because the interview e the, the the person of interest says that there are these three laws there are these three laws that define everything about um the uh, the scarlet king which is the law of blood the law of concrete and the law of howling um and you know, included is uh, next a, a log of attempts to bring the king into our world there are some interesting examples for example the goc tried in 2014 but the records have been expunged but it was done to exacerbate tensions of a historical time in order to bring forth and destroy a significant occult threat, which sounds like the most stupid fucking <laughs> idea ever. Let's let's summon the devil because uh, we gotta deal with this other thing. We gotta deal with this other thing that we won't name. Just like at the beginning, when there's this other thing that's opposed to the Scarlet King, that uh, boy they destroy each other. So we better not let that happen. I wonder what this other thing that's opposed to the Scarlet King. Right. And newsflash, it's, it's us, right? It's so us. It, it's the foundation. Um, Although I feel like if the uh, Neon God had been a 001, it could have been something else. Right. We'll talk yeah. about that. Um, anyway, so, I mean, it, that's fun. The log of attempts is, is you know, I didn't, I'm not going to sit down and read down the whole thing. But, like, it's, it's, it's clearly showing that, you know, despite the fact that this is safe and supposedly the foundation doesn't need to do anything to keep it contained... There are people that on a regular basis, there's one, two, three, four, five that have happened since 2009, where all these different people have tried to, to bust it open, including a splinter of the serpent's hand, which luckily it dealt with itself because because it was a splinter group. The other serpent's hand stopped them, you know, but it's like but the foundation shouldn't be doing anything to prevent this. Um, and then we get into the, the, the law of concrete uh, and... The interviewee says that the memoir from the guy that could go back in time mostly got it right, specifically the idea that the voice on the wind is more like the king than any red demon. It's not a monarch. It's not a god. It's sort of a force. Um, and that the law of blood is the way the king ruled, imp the imposition of iron rule on the peasantry. Uh, so 
you get the sense of they're being fairly naive in some ways idea that like the way that power was enforced uh in the past was through violence i would argue it still is <laughs> but uh more threatened violence than actual um we get a report from the foundation agent uh i forget her name uh in an 1889 snarling coup which was the thing that was mentioned earlier because it because of this coup which was an internal event of some sort um a lot of records were lost and it's said that the accepted understanding of the foundation was that it was started in response to the Scarlet King. But in the records that this agent found, interestingly enough, this this agent was later uh, decided to be terminated by the O5 Council. Um, the records show that, no, that had nothing to do with it, uh, that the there was an attack by SCP-173. <laughs> you might have heard of that one. Um, no. What is that one? It's a it's a statue. Oh, there's so many statues. I know. But my favorite part about this is not just, oh, look, he mentioned the po the popular one. My favorite part is this is all about the law of concrete. And what the fuck is SCP-173 right. made out of? <laughs> concrete and rebar. Right. So and Krylon's breaking. It actually serves a I mean, I don't know. I've never read that article. <laughs> it, it doesn't take you long. You should you should read it. Um, well, as long as it's got a good picture, I'll take a look. <laughs> <laughs> um. And we get this log of votes by the O5 Council, and then always a response in some way, a related incident that is connected in some way to the Scarlet King. Possibly a response. You know, it's certainly implied that this was a response to those specific votes. Uh, yeah. And a lot of times they have to do with uh, 2317 or a voting on a, a site system or a universal classification. So something building up about, the foundation right yeah something about making the foundation into what it is a standardized organization that defines anomalies in this way by this system uh causes a reaction from this force as the foundation concretizes itself right um and there's this manifesto from the chill from uh, children of a scarlet king cultist um that points out that the problem with the modern is that it's not real. Our buildings are made of concrete as we shamble each day to jobs and lives created solely for the purposes of maintaining their own system. Um, and there's only one alternative way to live. To cast down the law of concrete to, is to raise up the law of blood. So the law of concrete is modernity. It is this new concept of uh, society where supposedly... <laughs> I have a bit of a problem with this. Supposedly, violence is not the way in which uh, rule of law is enforced or societal norms. I, I would argue that, yeah, it's not as obvious as, say, maybe back when the Mongols were taking people over, but... Yeah, I don't that... find the children of the Scarlet King at all convincing. Yeah, <laughs> because because the, we still live in a fucking police state, so and, and most Western democracies are. So... Oh. Um... And then finally, we get to the howling where everything kind of comes together. Um, and throughout, the interviewee is kind of stringing Dr. Montag along. He's, yeah. he's twisting him along. He's saying, oh, well, you should figure this out. You should figure that out. Um, uh, and ultimately, coming to, to the idea that the Scarlet King was not a deity. The Scarlet King is an idea. Um, and like Plague was just saying, the Scarlet King is a response to the foundation but but i think it's actually even a little bit wider because even if the foundation didn't exist it would still be a response to these modern 
concepts of anomalous versus non-anomalous. And a lot mm -hmm. of ways, I didn't think about it at the time, but this lays the groundwork in a lot of ways for 6500. It takes a very much more metaphysical Yeah, that occurred route. for me as well. But it, it centers around the idea that the foundation is defining the anomalous through its concrete ways and that it and and it's very easy to make the next shift which we made in 6500 which was and then, and then and that shift that de definition is arbitrary because all these things existed beforehand and the universe was fine or if not fine that it, it existed um right <clears throat> and now we go to so much trouble to impose understanding uh on uh, the anomalies um and we find this note from dr montag that is clearly crossing stuff out that is more like metaphysical and then defining uh oh one defining here's what the scarlet king is and it seems like it's like imposing will on it like the way he's fighting the urge to agree with right. the anti-modernism as he's trying to be the modern scientist right um and ultimately it comes down to the interviewee kind of somehow forcing or, or, or resisting anyone coming into his containment chamber and says he will only talk to uh, Montauk um, and points out that the idea that the Scarlet King is, is it's not the pre-modern and it's not the modern, it's the conflict between those things. It's, it's the, oh. the screaming rage um, that is uh, kind of highly explained in that excerpt of the Bengali work, which uh, I, I'm assuming it's not Lala Raya, uh, but it's, I, I, I'm probably not any good at it. Any Indians on the chat? Yeah. yeah. It's not. Um, but it, it says things like, you know, because what is he but the cry for a forgotten age? He is the British peasant staring up at the red sky, the Bengali widows weeping and shaven head, the Aztec priest ripping out another's heart. It's the aspect of rage uh, at modernity, but I think even more so at the rage at colonialism, at the globalism uh, that the world has become, where you know universal forces have defined what life is everywhere without a, an understanding for individual cultures, um, and so that's what they mean by modernity. And the thing that most encompasses modernity, at least in response to the, or at least in the 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 person of interest opinion is the, the foundation it's because if the foundation didn't exist or something like it didn't exist then maybe the scarlet king wouldn't exist because it's a response to us not us being a response to it i think i've always found interesting just that rereading this kind of reminds me of sort of the meta aspect of us as writers in this universe we define the anomalous based on our own rules. Whereas, like, we look at, like, let's say, I'll bring up a Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you have people with superpowers, and that's considered normal there. So, from, like, we are kind of imposing our rule of law, of, like, natural law, onto another universe where these anomalies do exist. So, yeah. what's to say <laughs> that that is not natural there? Yeah, and right, that's, that's sort of where I think that this article was, at least to me, was influenced by and spoke a lot to. Yeah, that's a good tension because yeah, we talk about a setting that is like explicitly magical. It is absolutely full of stuff that doesn't make sense, and it is definitely the norm that things not make sense at this point. 
and even in 2018 when he was writing there was thousands of these things and and, and yet we've got this organization we continue to write going like nope none of that's normal gotta hide it all right yeah and i mean that's why i brought up 6500 earlier because ultimately if you make it through you know the first half 50,000 words or so uh, the the defining tension of what is causing the impasse is this nature of the foundation and the veil in you know imposing what normalcy is because it's an alter it's an artificial concept because certainly was normalcy a thing when the deva were around you know 15,000 years ago i know that was normal so um calling something that's existed for millennia or outside of time and space or you know 15 minutes whatever as abnormal as an anomaly uh is incredibly arrogant and it is interesting that in many ways the scarlet king is is sort of the impasse uh not not exactly because like i said this takes a much more metaphysical perspective um yeah but ulti- the, the the ultimate like conclusions that 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 Montauk makes, although we're we're kind of expected to put two and two together, because the O5 Council has a vote, uh, and they pretty much soundly deny it, um, uh, based on a proposal from Montauk to sort of change the way to change the status quo, um, and we're expected to kind of figure out what that what that change was meant to be, but it, it basically means let's be less rigid in our definitions of uh, the anomalous. Uh, because the thing that's empowering the Scarlet King is the rage at this concrete set of rules. Yeah, to me, this is the pinnacle of a Tufto feat. Still, my favorite from him is 5005, which is Lamplight. I recommend everybody reads that. Um, but this has all of his hallmarks. And I feel, I'm not sure, I didn't know him in 2018, but I know he had that style because I've read all of his stuff. Mm-hmm of these first-person perspectives, the primary sources, being in a room, people talking. Um, so Music this, I would, He does that in a lot of his articles. Yeah. Cascadia has exactly the same format. Yeah, I would say that he, like, at, that, at this point, this being an 001, and being confident posted, he had that style down. And I know when I was writing mine, I wanted to make sure all of my hallmarks were there. And I feel like he had a similar perspective right. here. And you could definitely see that here. And it really, while it's not my favorite from him, my favorite 001, it is probably, if you're going to read anything by Tufto, this this would be one of them. Just to get a feel for what he does. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. I only have one critique of it, really. Um, but the thing that, the one by him that really kills me is that one we read for the show... And it's, what was that guy's name that I think Rounder made it up on, on Wander's Library, where it's like a, it's a guy, it's this wild adventure kind of guy that's always going off and doing different things. And it's a, has to do with him in French controlled Vietnam. Oh, are you thinking, it's been a long time, I don't remember, this isn't Lyle Burnley, is it? Yeah, yeah, Lyle Burnley, show, which is, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I should know who created Lyle Burnley, because Rounder, like, um, Didn't Rounder violently... No, he just loves Lyle Burnley. Oh, uh, Rounder like violently flings the article that created him at, at anybody who will read it. Uh, she's written for him too. It's like yeah, the autobiography, the heresiography, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Her- 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 the one I'm talking um, about. Yeah. 
and it's it's uh, his uh, his will is the original article. Right. Um, the Wanderer's Library. We'll just let's look at this up because I. It's an awesome article, and he shows that to anybody who's even vaguely considering looking at the Wanderer's Library. And it is by account deleted. It is by account deleted. It is by. God damn it! Now I'm gonna have to use Chrome on the Wanderer's Library, and I hate doing that. <laughs> Carry on while I uh, figure out how to do this. But what's interesting, I think, um, is that this ends with Montauk actually like reversing his position. Even though he absolutely thinks that the children of the Scarlet King and anyone that serves or is trying to bring about the Scarlet King is in the wrong, at the end, he signs a letter as a child of the Scarlet King because, uh, as he says, I know this path is wrong, but at least it is a path. Um, and by that, I think what Tato is saying is that the the foundation isn't even a path it's just sitting there kind of denying the reality around them uh in this consistently frustrating way that's so frustrating that the universe itself or some force that is empowered by the universe itself is screaming to 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 come out uh and if yeah. it is so then I, it's kind of unclear whether or not at the end if the if the Scarlet King was to come through, that humanity would die, or would it be that the Foundation died? Yeah, because I, I feel like the Foundation probably is the thing that'll be obliterated in this, right. um, and, and life would change, possibly yes. for the worse. But Which they don't. all is definitely for the worse. But it's not what they're. It's definitely uh, the Foundation is is not morally white in this concept as well. Um, the, the Montauk stuff is interesting because um, something that. A pe the, the person of interest, Depeche Feedback, keeps trying to get at as as they're talking is, so you're Dr. Montauk. Your name is on the gang rape protocol. Okay, What's up with that? Aren't you... <laughs> right. So, Procedure 110 Montauk from SCP-231. Uh, lots of people have their explanations of what it actually is uh, to, to be like cleverly like, oh, it look it looks like it's actually this, it looks like it's this. What it is in the article is it's it's very strongly implied that to keep a, a primordial entity in, in check, the foundation authorizes and in fact enforces gang rape of somebody over and over again, designed to be like an absolute shock. Like these people are maintaining reality, and here are the lengths to which they're willing to go to. And it's generally something that almost every author knows about and most authors look at it and go oh yes the 2000s the edgelord era bleh uh including myself uh and it's used here though and it's used in absolutely brilliant sense because you keep expecting it because he won't explain what it is and and depeche is bugging him about it and it never comes up and you keep expecting it to be one of those stories where it turns out that it's actually about petting a whale or some bullshit. Because there are lots of articles where they go, well, actually, if you look at the redactions, you can actually see that it's, it, you, you can fit a lot of things into those redactions and it's actually a nice thing. And it's a, a clever article thing that a lot of people have done a few times. Uh, and you feel like it's gonna go there. Like eventually Montauk is gonna go, well, actually it's a completely different thing. And the article never does that. It isn't a different thing. It is the reprehensible thing. And Spivak is like, yeah, and the reason he's poking him about it is because that's not a science response to anything to make that your protocol. That's not a rational, concrete way of doing anything. That's an angry raging against the concept of anti-modernity. It's the scientist going like, I'm so mad at the Scarlet King existing and being this 
howl of anti-modernity that I'm gonna do this to fucking hurt it, which is a Scarlet Kingy kind of thing to do. It's not a sciencey kind of thing to do. So he uses the fact that this is a reprehensible thing to be like, this guy was already kind of experiencing uncertainty in, in what side of the situation he was on. He's using that as yeah. an example, also, of the character to explain to Montauk what the Scarlet King is, because eventually he gets to the point where he's like saying, listen, whatever it is, whatever it is you don't want to talk about, it shouldn't have worked. There's no, right. there's not a magic spell. That's not a thing. There's, there's no secret lore that this reprehensible act, whatever it is, um, that you're doing to this teenage girl because she's pregnant with the, you know, the Antichrist or whatever. Thanks, Clive. Um, is <coughs> a, it, it's not an effective tool against the Scarlet King. The only reason it worked is because you actually were just responding in a way that had nothing to do with modernity. Yeah, like you were saying. And I, I think it's really interesting that he uses it that way. I think it's like like those stories that um, define, you know, try to redefine, to retask what it is that's happening in 231, what Montauk, Project Montauk is, or Operation Montauk, or whatever the fuck it is. Procedure. And that's cool, and that's interesting because it's not saying it's okay, but it is right. uh, here. We're using it for this interesting constructive narrative reason, uh, and I don't give a shit. I hate it. Yeah, this is my big critique of this piece that this could have worked easily without it. And yeah, you don't, this, you don't, you don't like the one ten being in there under any circumstances. No, and I think this this um, this validates it in the original article in a lot of ways. Hmm. Uh, because it's a great piece of literature uh, that explains why. That so instead of being a crappy old SCP article, it's a really good new one, and it has this thing in it. So. <laughs> and it and it, yeah. and it and it and it says that thing is important to this understanding of the story. And I think you could have written around it. That's mm. my only critique I have. I think it's a brilliant fucking piece, but I think that part of it sucks. I do like that one tale where um, the procedure is described as a bedtime story. Right, they all they all gather together and read her a bedtime story. Yeah, I do like that one. I think it's cute. There are a few. There are a few like that. I just wish it didn't um, exist. Yeah, yeah. But but I I I totally understand why Tufto is trying to legitimize it in a way that makes it narratively interesting. I totally understand why those people have written those tales or any other types of projects to like say no, actually it's this. Um, but really, I just want it gone. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to edit it out. Like just come back to the site and edit it out. <laughs> That's it. I, I do love yeah. all these pieces by Tufto because he's always got these philosophical things going on at the core of them. Um, even the, the person that Montauk is arguing with is named, uh, I'm pretty sure, Depesh uh, Spivak. And that's two Indian post-colonial philosophers, Depesh uh, Chakrabarti and Depesh Chakrabarti. English! That's not English, that's... Uh, <laughs> Depeche Chakrabarty and uh, Gayatri Spivak were both like really famous post-colonial theorists. So he's he's made his villain a like um, gestalt of multiple post-colonial theorists, and that that person is talking to Dr. Rape and and very very <laughs> thoroughly deconstructing him right in front of his face. Uh, despite the fact that obviously the Scarlet King stuff is also not a positive, right. <laughs> because none of these impersonal forces are particularly positive, which is the whole point in the Neon God, where 
where um, sprawling, concrete, glowing, neon urbanism mindlessly expands across the galaxy and just eats like uniqueness and de devours hope and things and is nothing and is meaningless. And I think that is completely opposed to the Scarlet King, which is the um, equally unintelligent, just raging and angering. And I feel like if that was if that was in the 001 form instead of being 7005, I think that opposition is probably pretty key to it. And he's really good at just uh, thinking through philosophical concepts by embodying them and then having people oppose them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 to what you were saying about the post-colonial philosophers, you know, he's even got that part uh, that's the excerpt of that Bengali work, which is, you know, I, I'm sure it's not directly aping their points, but like, is no, they're, no, it's not really. They like know, them at all, but it's it's speaking to this the anger against colonialism, and it's speaking yeah. from that area of the world, and I mean, I think that's all intentional. Um, there's one part from that uh, from the Bengali uh, manifesto that uh, I really wanted to read, which was modernity is a sin, and he is the correction so that we can once again live as we must. And you think it's gonna say, you know, any number of things that's like, actually, we're trying to relieve ourselves of this terrible modernity. Uh, but once again, live as we must, cold and hungry and starving and very, very afraid. Like, right. that's the fucking goal. Because modernity is bullshit. Be good little caveman. Yeah. Because modernity is a lie, and at least that's true. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, fuck that. <laughs> being being cold is a definite thing that you can relate to directly and understand uh -huh. immediately. I do like when authors have sort of like a thematic through line between at least the larger pieces. Like Tufto's, a lot of his are about like human condition type of stuff. Yeah, big time. Like brought to like even a, like for this one, it's to a much larger scale. Neon God, much larger scale. And like I'll bring up five thousand five again. It's it's about just like a researcher going through sort of imposter syndrome until they realize like I'm hanging out with a bunch of hippies in a yeah. Pub. yeah I want to take <laughs> I want to take control over my life and go actually see what's going on with this place and not being bound to the chain of like having to follow procedure and like it works well like for all of this stuff because he knows what he's doing he knows how to write this stuff and keep reinventing it over and over again and it never gets old because yeah, there is so much knows. you could sell. There are so many stories you could tell with that sort of theme, and I do hope that he continues. Yeah, because like when people talk about Lamplight, they talk about, and then the point of it is the big spoiler is you find out that Lamplight is blah 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 blah. And it's not, no, that's actually not the point of the article at all. That's just him going. I know that you won't like this unless there's a, a reveal. And it's so cool. here's a reveal, and it is a cool ass. It's a fucking very amazing cool reveal. Cosmic Let's reveal. Not take it's away. a very good reveal. It's incredible. But it's also. <laughs> But that's not the point. The point is the trip you take to get there, which is the same in in both of these articles. Yeah, yeah. this one's controversial. Yeah, this... I don't particularly enjoy the, like the reveal from Lamploid at the end. Like, I, I I mean, I like the article a lot, but just like like you said, I appreciated it much more just for like the the dialogue and the character and the world building. Yeah. Like, that that's was my main, favorite. Part. The main thing for sure, absolutely. I like it. I mean, people love it, that twist. I, I like it because it, ins it it evokes kind of a, I don't know, like a primordial terror that something like that could exist. 
Yeah, there's oh, a yeah. cosmic melancholy to it. It's it's yeah. kind of like the thing in um, Stephen King's It, which has all kinds of way worse problems than any of what we're talking about here, oh, but God. also has also has the very brief momentary implication that the like positive deity that's looking down on them all is dead, by the way, and has been dead for a while. <laughs> there's the same sort of like, oh dear, what's going on sense going on at the end of Plant Flight. But the main thing is is Tufto's ability to write human beings having interesting thoughts about what it means to be human, which is going through all of the works that I've read. When will Tufto write his gunslinger? <laughs> Just combine them all, yeah. Get them all together at once. Because he needs to get hit by a bus first. It's I guess. so funny that like Stephen King. Sorry for a tangent. Stephen King had all these really interesting, like, oh, what does this mean? What is this force that this evil thing is doing? And like, mm-hmm. didn't necessarily need to be connected. And clearly, he had this idea for a long time because he wrote the gunslinger before he wrote, God, any number of the really famous novels. He wrote it yeah. like when he was in college, I think the first one. Um, mm-hmm. And then he just decides, listen, I'm just going to tell like a Lord of the Rings style epic story and we're going to explain goddamn everything. And yeah. I mean, I love the gunslinger, but it's also kind of like you could have le- you could have left some mystery in there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love the gunslinger so much. All of it. The Dark Tower, I mean. Uh, but, you know, by the end, it was just like, well, now I understand everything. Thank the end. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, uh, yeah you think he could have spent all that time um he was working on that learning how to end a story correctly you know ironically i think the best ending he's ever done is the end of the dark dark tower it's that's mm-hmm. controversial because a lot of people don't like it but i think it's brilliant it's got a lot to say honestly but whatever that we're not talking about that we're not talking about stephen king we're talking about a much better author i think it's a really big i don't know if it's a crime exactly but i think it's just it's horrible to me that people that don't read the scp wiki don't experience tough those <laughs> you know like right? i just feel like Fox. this is this is a you're being constrained here somebody <laughs> needs to give him at least one uh contract to write a novel with an actual you know budget for promotion behind it because this man can do long-form storytelling like so few people can do uh, absolutely on, on the wiki or off of it because it's always so satisfying like it always gets to the end and you're like oh wow like you took me on a journey and it's not always fast paced exactly but it's always intriguing and it takes you you're never bored uh and then there's almost always sort of i don't know if it's always a revelation but there's always this sense of like and now i look back at all these things we just read and go oh shit i mean this one absolutely has that um neon god i think is the most effective at that personally but that one um when when seven con was on and i was reading my competitors as they were coming out um generally with unbelievable incomparable trepidation every time i would open one because i kept waiting for the one that was obviously going to be seven thousand um and that one i think was the one where i hit it i went oh shit this might be the one uh i was reading it with like fear i'm like oh this is pretty good and then um by the end of it, I'd forgotten that there was a contest. I'd forgotten that I was in the contest. I'd forgotten why I had started reading it. I like there was nothing but that story, and I cried at the end of it. <laughs> it was super cool. I, I felt I felt like writing was like the coolest thing ever for several hours after reading that. I was like, you know what, writing's meaningful. Writing is good. Hey, I'm not trying so, to yeah, butter you up, but I think we like Tufto. I think a lot of people might uh, think that way about your your contest entry too. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> nope, I know. I mean, I know immediately. 
I know immediately I was like, yeah, he got it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I can't really, with my personality, my actual one, not my front personality, can't really engage with that statement except to say thank you. But like, I felt that way when I saw 6,000. I went, yep, that one wins. He showed it to me in crit and I went, that's gonna win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was angry about it because <laughs> 6,500 was really good. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I, I kind of get, every once in a while, the, the, the 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 entry in the contest that wins is always retrospectively obvious um but at the time you'll see one and you'll go that is the one that fits the theme the most that people are going to read I and mean, go i didn't like 5000 the most what ended up being 5000 uh the most but when i read it i feel like you could still tell it was going to win yeah yeah when i read it i was like this is going to win i mean i'm not bashing it by the way 5000 is fantastic yeah. um and, and obviously I, a big I'm, part I'm of it always... is I'm always saying that the, the, my personal best ones were Yossi's and Jackal related. Dragon of Mittenwald yeah. and uh, Sankerson. Dragon of Mittenwald is, is just the other book. Fucking incredible. Yeah. Uh, and, and in most contests, there's a very large yeah. group of people who go like, ah, that's not the one I would have picked. <laughs> in every single KCON, there's people going like that and then talk about it for years to come. I'm just well, lucky that most of mine do it on the, uh, in the spaces that I'm not in, so I don't have to see it. <laughs> Anyway, too many characters. So... <laughs> read a whole can- I have to read a whole canon off for standard. How dare you? You explicitly do well, not at have least... to read any other pages no. to understand that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at least you can't look at seven thousand and say, "Oh, this isn't really an article. It's more like it's more like a canon hub." We've obviously got KCONs on the brain because presumably, uh, some point between Christmas and. Uh, the end of January, there will be another one announced. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. I, I right, honestly, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm excited. I want to write some big stuff. Although I do have something big coming out at some point in the next week. But anyway, Tufto's done. Does the Black Moon howl? Only for those with an unwavering desire to hear the truth. Access granted. You have been selected for an opportunity, an orientation as a trusted associate, if you will, into the secured, contained, and protected files of the Foundation. SCP Unredacted distributes new files for review Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on secure channels on YouTube, Spotify, and scp-unredacted.captivate.fm. Hey there, fans of Simply Creative People. We're still mostly unsponsored, so any financial help you can give us through Harry's or my Ko-Fi helps keep the show run. If you can't support us financially, just try to spread the word about the show. We've grown in the last year of production, but I think there's still a wide audience of SCP fans out there who would get a lot from our podcast. Finally, in every episode, we leave a link in the description to my author page and to Harry's, along with our guests. Consider clicking through and checking out our work. We've both been so pleased to see the growth of the show and hope you'll consider reading some of our stories on the wiki. Thanks so much for all the support during this first startup year of the show. Here's to five more years of episodes. Yeah. Uh, so next, we're going to talk about Kalanin's proposal, uh, which came out in November of 2016. Uh, it's nine documents, and some of them are pretty long, although a lot of them aren't. Um, I'll be right back. You guys keep going. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this one's like hard. I mean, like a, like Yossi wrote a series of declassifieds on the scp declassified reddit 
to explain it. So it's pretty complicated. Uh, basically, what you have to understand is that there is an anomaly called SCP-2798, which is a shield of anomalous energy around the Earth that was created by the Foundation in order to contain SCP-001. Um, specifically, uh, in 1971, although it was decided to tr start trying to do it in 1954. The way that this works is that it makes the entire Earth seem like from far away, at least to however 001 is, is discovering us, that the Earth is one singular living entity, and it reduces 001's focus on humanity. Because uh, the 001 is a sapient entity or entities capable of irritate. I'm sorry, <laughs> irritating, initiating and exerting control over anomalous phenomena on Earth and in all regions of space observable thus far. SCP-001 is hostile and is believed to be motivated by a desire to cause profound distress and suffering to humanity on a planetary scale. The methodology in achieving this goal appears to include undermining large-scale human institutions and specifically eroding belief in rational consensus reality. Shortly after the formal establishment of the Foundation, this activity increased sharply, and early statistical models suggest a coordinated actor behind a significant amount of documented anomalies. So this is a thing that if it isn't the creator of all anomalies, it is able to exert some influence on anything that is anomalous. We get a, we get a, a series of um, SCPs that have been changed in some way because of the failing of this prior anomaly. SCP-2798, which is this shield, starts failing in 2005, and once it starts failing, all these well-known articles are described in a log very quickly. Here's what it was like before, and here's like what it was afterwards. And it's not always a specifically more dangerous thing, but it's always a strange and more effective transformation. Something that is more insidious. Oh. Um, but this is, in many ways, a series of short stories. Um, it was released one day at a time. It was like a big event when it came out. Kalanin was like, I'm going to drop this one and then we're going to next day or, you know, I don't know exactly how it was spaced, but um, it was not all dropped at once. It is a hub that goes to all these <laughs> and, and a very boring looking hub, but um, and it's just a series of documents. The first one being uh, Harbinger, which is sort of a prologue featuring 05-2 who is approaching one of the SCPs uh, from Series 1, 411, uh, to get some precognition and prophecy to find out if the thing that is happening now, which is all the anomalies are kind of going out of control and uh, humanity is starting to freak out, um, if there's any sort of future for the for humanity and if whether or not there is some you know reassurance. And the answers that she gets implies that, yes, uh, they are... Um, but it turns out that this anomaly seems to be from this other place, this place that 001 comes from, uh, and it calls the, the the 05 a prodigal doctor, I'm sorry, daughter, uh, and says both he and she are from that this planet of the hands, uh, and she will return home soon. Um, we see a, a series of notable SCPs changing dramatically, like I mentioned, but before that we see in the SCP document itself uh, a failing of 2798 and after that updates from foundation facilities all over the world and also other important spots within the world uh, showing pretty much all of society falling apart slowly but surely uh, and yep. 
the way that it's doing that is unclear, but basically it has to do with the anomalous. Everything that is anomalous is being changed in some way and is breaking out of containment. Um, and it's sort of like the way it's described in 5000, where the foundation in this other universe just releases everything to, to fuck with humanity. Well, this is sort of a thing that's out of the foundation's control, but is on a similar level. Um, we get a series of short stories after this that basically slowly but surely piece together what this thing is. Um, we get continued deliberations, which is 05-2 getting a call from 05-3 saying wants to know why 05-2 defeated the vote. And there's this vote that apparently was defeated that was 05-3's last-ditch effort to try and put the lid on. It's implied to be one of the big things that uh, the Foundation has always got in its back pocket, like SCP-2000 or like 055 being put into 579 to reset the universe or etc, etc, etc. But the vote was denied and the vote was denied because 052 pushed for it to be denied, convinced uh, members of the council to vote against because she went to those precognitives, uh, in fact, all of them, and they all gave her this a similar kind of message that there is a future for humanity and it, it, and it involves a utopia. Whether or not that means we will survive this generation or this organization, who knows? But to her, that's enough of a reason to not do some latch stitch, you know, mass evacuation of Earth. Um, yeah. I, I, this one is very controversial to a lot of people. Yeah. I, I always found that interesting just because, like, I guess just me, you, Harry, we're from different time periods of when, like, Cal Lennon was around. So we don't really get to feel like, I don't know. But I did enjoy this one. I really do like it. My favorite part is the table. I always love it. I always love um, recipe articles with tables in them where they give you, like, short little blurbs just for, like, yeah. building up. Um, what's that word I'm looking for? Hype? I'm not sure. Building up our ten tension, tension, yeah. tension, stake, yeah. Building up the stakes of it, and I really do like that part. And I did, I, I, this one's really unique because I don't think there is another one proposal where um, it's presented in this way. Where you get a number, where you get an SCP. There are tales, there are straight SCP articles. Both are shown as 001s, but this one is just um, a mix of all of that. And I did find, I really do like it for yeah. that reason. And it's surprising that this one was accepted as that so early on. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think where it's 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 breaking the norm in a way. Yeah, it is. Um, and I understand why it's controversial. This I used to say this was my favorite. Um, and I don't know if I'd say that anymore and I see the flaws for what it is it kind of doesn't quite land the ending in my opinion but it's it's I, I'm, I'm just so goddamn impressed by it it's it's incredibly yeah. ambitious um, it starts off as this doom saying you know it's the end of the world as we know it <clears throat> and the mystery here is what the fuck is it and you really have to read between the lines for a lot of these articles um yeah. The next one is called A Night at the Movies, which is about how 057, back in 1954, received a communication from um, the 
SCP-001, and that communication was essentially a dream that led him specifically to a movie theater, and in that movie theater was played a movie called A Planet of the Hands, um, which had lots of military footage, scenes of large battles, aftermaths of bombing campaigns, stuff like that. I recognize Stalingrad from newsreels. And then some were film scenes, same quality as the other stuff, of what I had to be other events from history, mass starvations, a volcano eruption or two, villages of Indians being run through by Spanish conquistadors, not very subtle. Then the scenes, and huh. I'll, I'll explain, uh, this is written from the perspective of a very overly privileged white man uh, who was alive in the 1950s, um, which is why it says that. Uh, then the scenes of the site started, still shots of buildings and facilities, all of which I knew to be ours. Pretty clear message for us there. At the next instant, I was no longer in the theater. I was in my seat, but everything around me had changed. Vibrant colors, oversaturated hues, like a mad painter had conjured them. They were everywhere. People, things, places swirling all around me. All of it lit up like neon so that I could see things after I closed my eyes. It was just a mass of unspeakable acts. All the rape, murder, and pillage for thousands of years have been forced into this one room, each act phasing into and out of others, moment to moment. And then it ends with the scene of the O5 and others getting on a ship, sort of like what he perceives to be an ark or a wooden ship, uh, and everything on the earth destroyed. Uh, and it ends with, in Russian, that they try to translate, the best they get is, come home instead. Uh, instead of all the death, all the horror, it's not really clear. But he interprets this as a threat from 001. And I think ultimately what we're, we're supposed to take away from it is it's not a threat, this is an explanation of how we got here. Um, that it's slowly but surely described that there is this other planet that 001 comes from. Uh, 001 is a civilization. 001 is a human civilization that is utopian. The thing that 05-2 was seeing in these future prophecies was not the future of humanity on Earth, but the future of humanity as a species, which is this utopian existence. But the way that, and the reason that they're doing this is everything is because three bits of info that you get from the next thing, which is a dream report, SCP-990, which is another SCP that like visits people in their dreams, um, said that there are nine moons in the sky and varying sizes and phases. I'm in a child's body and he's still me, specifically talking uh, from the perspective of a researcher who had this dream. Uh, and they get, and he gives them three bits of information. You are not in their proper place. And you, I believe, is describing all of humanity. 05-2 is absolutely correct, and she's disastrously wrong. And the prime mover behind what you know is SCP-001, above all other things, is love. So why is it doing all these horrible things if it loves us? Uh, and ultimately, what it, you know, just to kind of, there's one where there's an imaginary baseball player, and the reason the foundation is even there is because it turns out that this imaginary baseball player is actually going to be playing and events go way out of control but basically it's to uh, explain in a more detailed way how oh one can manipulate and enhance the anomalies um, that it's getting harder and harder to fight uh, and that they consider they consider these concepts of heaven and hell that they are heaven and that we are hell and Basically, ultimately, what it comes down to without reading every single goddamn one of these, because it's really impressive. There's a there's a whole ass play in here, um, <laughs> which is good. It's, and the thing is, is, this is all really good, which even though it was controversial, I think the reason it survived is it's all really well written. Um, yeah. 
and that's not surprising. Kalanen's very talented. Um, but basically what this is, is long, long, long ago, before life on Earth existed, supposedly, there was another world in which humanity existed. And that world had nine other worlds that surrounded it, the nine moons. And each of these moons was a sacrifice to fueling this utopia. There are people on these moons that have uh, been suffering in some way or another. Um, and it's implied that the existence that we experience here on Earth is because all those people on one of the planets, the planet of the hands, um, ran and got somehow through time and space ran and came to Earth to get away from this situation because it was like a prison planet or a planet that was specifically being made to suffer so that you, the utopia could continue to exist. Um, and uh -oh, one was not able to physically follow, so what they've had to do is reach out through the anomalous. All of these anomalous things that have been happening throughout the history of the Foundation are uh -oh, one reaching out to us and mm -hmm. trying to convince us that, hey, by the way, you shouldn't be sticking it out on that planet because it sucks. You need to come home willingly. Um, and the, the core concept isn't really like it's cool, but that's not why I think this one matters. The way the why I think this one matters is that it's it's so big and it takes you a significant amount of effort reading between the lines of these stories to understand what's really going on. Um, and yeah. that's why I think it's so ambitious. Yeah, I, I've, I touched on this a little bit, but like you see a lot of hallmarks of modern articles in this that like you have these prose sections, you have these sections where it's just a picture or like a div, uh, a CSS div of documentation that is somewhat related, but is sort of floating through the article just to give the reader supplementary information. And I agree with you that the ending is a little iffy. I do think it's a bit convoluted. And that, that is the major downside because you can talk with looking at Tuftos where the answer is pretty straightforward. It's a reaction of that fight between modernity and that and uh, being primal or being pre-modernity. Whereas this, it has a bit more that you need to understand and a bit more of that is less grounded, I'd say. I think everybody here can understand the concept of modernity and pre-modernity. Whereas this is a little more um, out there. It's a little more yeah. science fiction. It's higher. It, 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 you need to understand the entire article to, get, to understand that concept. But as a piece of writing, as a show of Kalinin's talents, I think this is the perfect piece. Oh, yeah. Not my favorite from him by by any measure, but a real, like, like an 001 proposal should, this I could see as being his crowning achievement on yeah. the site. It shows everything that he is good at. Yeah, I, I really like the thing I really, really like is there's a core narrative being told and it's all off the page. Well, it's not all off the page. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's these parts where it's a dream report and it's a description of what this doctor is experiencing in the dream. And then there's another dream report. And then there's this experience with the imaginary baseball player. And then there's, yeah. you know, the SCP itself. And then there's this fucking play. And it's like, well, why is there a play? Well, because SCP-001 doesn't know how to communicate directly with us. All it can do is communicate through performance. So it forces us to do this a lot of homework a lot like mcdoctors does in a different way um to get at the core narrative my 
problem with the ending is not that it's bad or that it's convoluted or that the concepts are too big and you have to sit there and really break it down. My problem with the ending is that it's 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 boring. <laughs> like it's out of nowhere. Too. Like I just every piece leading up to the last piece is fucking excellent. Even a play, which was like, whoa, what the fuck? There's a play here? Uh, and I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority. You know, a lot of people that are around the site maybe don't have experience with playwright stuff. But I love plays. Uh, you know, I've always wanted to write my own. So uh, the, it's it's a really good one. It reminds me a lot of classic Greek uh, drama, um, intentionally so. Um, and then the ending is sort of this prose piece about people from an NTF that are existing in argentina after everything's kind of gone to shit and interacting with characters that showed up in the play um and it's kind of this final conflict but it feels almost disconnected from the rest of it mm. and it's important because it, what it's showing what it's ultimately trying to say through the events and the conversations that happened in this last piece is sure this society was quote-unquote it loves us and that's why it's doing it and sure they're doing this for a utopia but in reality they're just as fucked up as we are because think about it what sort of society uh is literally built on the suffering of others and calls itself a utopia um so i i I like the messaging i just feel like that last piece could have done it different i don't know i I, anyway uh it's not a bad piece of writing by any means And, and the thing as a whole i think is like I said, really impressive. I read this one pretty early on. Um, it wasn't the first oh one I read, but it was within the first five. Uh, and it had like a significant impact on me. Um, it was the first thing I saw that was trying to tell a story through a variety of ways. Um, SCPs and tales, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, the hub in some ways is important to the narrative as well. Um, and rereading it for this, I don't think Hecatantries would exist without me having read this. Yeah, I definitely see the influence there. Like it's it, not in the story content, not in the tone. Yeah, yeah. But in the idea that, like, oh, I can, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I can tell a mm-hmm. story that is SCPs that seem inter- that don't seem connected with tales that kind of fill in the blanks but don't fully explain things and then make somebody sit down and go okay this is all one piece if i consider it as one piece i don't think i did it quite as mystifying as he as Callan did um but it's it's yeah like it's so funny to me that like i hadn't thought about before and then i because i read this back in like 2016 2017 shortly after it was posted because i wasn't a member of the site but i was reading on the site pretty regularly randomly on my phone just kind of like when i had a break and i took like uh, like a whole day off and i just kind of read through this um it doesn't take that long to read it's not that long um but it's funny now to realize wow this was like such an influence on me and i didn't even realize it it's an influence on a lot of people I, i i i i think like um, you see with DJ Cactus's proposals, like the Ouroboros cycle, mm-hmm. like that came out, I think around the year, or it was finished around the year after that this one did, maybe a bit longer. And you could see like the influence there of making a hub and having these interlinked sort of tales and these stories, these SCP documents or this regular documentation that linked together into a bigger piece. And I think that 
Al Lennon being the person to sort of, I wouldn't say popularize, but be like creator in a way, or putting it on such a large stage, like the, yeah, especially back when this was published. When was it? You said you had notes on. Yeah, it was uh, November 2016. Yeah, 2016, like, the wiki's only a few years old at that point. Um, and something like this in the, what is one of the largest slots still at the time, or the most looked at slots at the time, mm -hmm. and putting this there, and it's such, like, a diversion of what you expect from an SCP document. You have a straight-up tale and then a bunch of SCP documents. And then this sort of breaks that whole thing by having a mix of all of that. And it showed, it did show that you can do this for a large project and then you could do it for a smaller project or something that's not an 001. Right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to look up, I'm trying to look up when, what was the last TJ Cactus one? Why is it? Um, is the third, the, I'm only seeing the way it ends. Is that, that's the one we looked at. Yeah, that's the last one. The way it's, it not ends. On, it's not on the 001 page. That's interesting. Just, you have to go into the hub. Just look up Ouroboros. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, and then it's the last one there. Right. Let's see. When was this posted? Yeah, 2019, it looks like. Oh, okay. 2018. So, yeah. So, you know, I mean, uh, certainly, I, I think you're right. I think it probably, if not an influence in the formation of the story, but the idea that, like, Hey, yeah, you know, we can do whatever the fuck we want. And they were individually oh, yeah. posted, I believe, the Ouroboros. Yeah, it, it sort of was an accident that they were kind of, or it wasn't an accident, I would say, just like, very coincidental, like, hey, I can link these all together. Yeah. And it worked out pretty well. I would argue one of them is not really that connected. But, uh, yes. I, I, yeah. Uh, but but in general, yes, I agree. And I, I think they're they're great. I'm not going to bash them um, by any means. I think they're terrific. Um and, and, you know, uh, Rounder House is now kind of doing something similar, mm -hmm. right? Because we had yeah. Gold Proposal and Jade Proposal uh, and Bone Proposal whenever that comes out. Um, that wasn't a dig. I mean, I, these things take time. Um, and, uh, I mean, if this if that didn't happen, one of the best 001s, in my opinion, wouldn't exist, which is the Jade Proposal, which I know it's he's uh -huh. our friend. But, like, I, that's not my bias. Like... I, I, he had me crit that and I literally just there was like every like hundred words I was like god damn it this is so good that's a magnum opus it's a magnum opus it's so it really good. I mean I like gold proposal gold proposal is great and memento mori is great but like j-proposal so was like fuck <laughs> like the, yeah it was, there were so many parts to it it was like I'm actually angry that I didn't write this anyway I am really excited to see what he does with bone oh yeah because from oh, like the really con he'll He'll randomly bring up, bring it up because he's realizing, hey, I have to actually write this soon. And um, he's been throwing ideas at the wall. And what I've been hearing is like, they are complete opposites of each other because it's like once a week I'll hear a different thing. But I'm loving it so far. I've been trying to use, trying to get him to use the concept of when in, when Pompeii was discovered, they had to like pour cast, they had to pour like a mold or what concrete plaster into the piles of ash to get those casts of yeah. the, the bodies that you see. And I really want him to use that concept because it's such a great, like... Very evocative. It's a very evocative. It's like, you could do and, so much. I'm like... And there are lots of historical artifacts that exist that are interesting and that are haunting. Um, having seen some of those casts uh, on display in museum, yeah. they're fucking haunting. 
That's horrifying. A, that's a yeah. fucking person. That's a person yeah. who was in the middle of running away from, or you know, collapsed on the floor, or holy shit. Um, yeah, I mean, so if people don't know, uh, Rounder House has done this series of, you know, well, it's it's part of a larger series, which is the red tape stuff. But uh, Gold Proposal was sort of a redefinition of the uh, Church of the Broken God. Um, Jade Proposal is very obviously a redefinition of the Deva. Um, and understand, I wrote the Deva hub. I love the Deva. It's very important concept to me, and I think it's one of the best O1s that's ever been written, so that tells you how good of a job he did. It has nothing to do with the prior Deva lore, and it has everything to do with the prior Deva lore, and I'm so impressed by that. Um, and, yeah. I, and I believe, though, you know, if it's not that, no one's holding it to it. I believe Bone Proposal will be sort of a redefinition of sarcasm or, or something like that. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, which is really fun. Like, I mean, we had a whole episode where we had Captain Kirby on where we were talking about um, how we redefine things. Uh, we would have talked about them there, but we've promised Rounder that we won't talk about red tape until he's on himself. <laughs> I really do love that series. Yeah, I mean, it's all good. Uh, I just I, like I don't, his... I don't think that I was I don't know like I was just blown away by Jay Proposal everything else that has come out connected to the Red Table has been fantastic it's not a dig in any way I just think Jay Proposal was just like on another level it blows 6,000 yeah. out of the water it's just and I've been a rounder fan for years uh, and this is just like how the fuck is this like the 150th thing you've written like that's incredible <laughs> um don't i don't often read tales but his red tape stuff i crit i critiqued one of the most ones one of the last two or three that were out loser. and it made me an immediate tales. do you know how many tales i don't read them as often <laughs> as i do in harry and i have article. done harry's got like 115 tales i've got like 40 <laughs> i know i know anyway his i i do recommend to the viewers up there listening uh, read any one of Rounder House's Yeah, They are very, very good. Yeah, And he does a good job of just building a atmosphere and also building story in a way where you don't really need to know the characters yeah. going in. It's, yeah. It does help, but you can read it without having that prior knowledge. He's good at that. Um... 6,000 a lot was a lot like that. You don't need oh. to know who Moose is beforehand. But if you did, you have something yeah. a little bit extra. Um, Harry's good at that too, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, he's, he's sort of forced to be. Well, yeah, he's got a very long series. Oh, yeah, and just like retain a consistent reader base. Oh, yeah. You kind of have to be able to simplify some stuff, and he's very, very good at it. So, yeah. And yeah, thanks. Know. I appreciate it. Oh, wow. You <laughs> um, yeah and uh, so you know we've mentioned it a couple times we mentioned it last time but um yeah my story which also has a lot to do with the deva is now finished which is hecatontry's uh cycle i did see that and congratulations thank you it's 85 yeah, big it's like accomplishment Eighty-five thousand words took four years it's 20 articles um full longer than full law novel length yep um Sim was recently asking me how long it was because he wanted. He was like, "Well, how long is it?" Because I want to know, you know, if I break out the time to read it. And I told him, he's like, "Oh, it's not. It's, it's not as bad as I thought." And he's like, "Also, wow, you you wrote a novel on the wiki." And it's like, "Oh shit, I did." 
<laughs> 15,000 um, words over the minimum right there. So there you yeah. go. Um, so yeah, please, God, please go read it. Because um, I've put a lot of Absolutely. The finale's phenomenal, and now the whole thing is readable, so now people don't have an excuse to not read it. Yeah. Yes. God, please. <laughs> please, please. Um, all right. So, uh, Harry, we've mostly talked about Kalanins. Uh, oh, that's a shame. Uh, do you have anything you want to bring? No, I think you guys covered it really well. Uh, well, then why don't we talk about McDoctorate's proposal, which is by our friend Placeholder. Sounds like a plan. So I guess that one's me, then. That's you to start us off, please. Yeah. All right. Well, here's a, an unusual beginning. Uh, I'm going to tell you which number of his articles had been written when he wrote. This is Placeholder McDoctorate's eighth page on the SCP Wiki. This is the sixth fictional page he wrote. This is the fourth SCP he wrote. This is the third solo SCP he wrote, his 001 proposal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive. Uh, and uh, I believe at the time there was a little bit of a reaction to that. <laughs> there were reactions. To I will. Reaction. I will say. I will say from now that this is not one of my favorite articles. I'm gonna put that out there. That was very nice of you to say. I feel, I feel warm inside, even though I, I had very little to do with this. I did crit it. I'm pretty sure I crit it. I definitely crit it. Yeah, yeah, so this one is absolutely crit. Well, actually, what am I saying? Like, that makes me special. About 700 people crit this one. <laughs> yeah, and I know uh, he got a lot of people who wrote previous 001s, and I don't think he agreed with most of what he read in the criticism, <laughs> so he posted. And it was controversial when it came out. Yeah. Um, but it's also doing some crazy shit and does it very well. And it also helps to, uh, as, as opposed to the double ones that are um, formulating, that, that, that are that are um, capping off somebody's work or, or that are like representing everything they've done before. <laughs> he, he does it so early that it actually just kind of informs later stuff that he Absolutely. does, which is really rare for a double one proposal. Yeah, if anyone is listening and they have read or heard about admonition i don't think admonition would have existed if he hadn't written this like there's no a, i don't think. there's a lot of through lines yeah you could definitely see it yeah um anyway harry go ahead yeah uh no you can see that for sure there's there's a lot of that in um in admonition where you can you can the first episode doesn't quite start off the the chain of, of causality that leads into admonition. There's several articles that that define it. Um, his original SCP integer, and then uh, this as well, and then the Rise No Can that the two of us wrote together all coalesce into 6820, basically. Um, but yeah, so what it actually is, having having gone through all all of that and talking about how it's you're you're never supposed to write an, a double one this early, and it was considered to be very bizarre that he did. And it, it, it threw a lot of people because the style of writing that he has popularized was not really a thing that was being done on the wiki at the time. Um, it no, had yeah, been done I remember by some previous authors. Really annoyed about it because yeah. I don't think he had quite, and I, I, I know he had not found his audience quite yet. Um, yeah. Even though um, he should have been because I always loved this. It's got like there are. It's not that nobody had ever written like this before. The Billeth was here a long time ago, and and he's got his style and Jack Ike as well, and Hammer Maiden, and there's lots of people who write like really heady stuff. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't it wasn't the meta game for sure. It wasn't the norm, and it was 
a big shock. And I remember reading it being like, holy shit, this is weird. <laughs> and trying to read each sentence to determine exactly what was going on. What it is at its core is a commentary on the fact that we think the 001 slot is super fucking important. Mm -hmm. um, and and there, there's a, a fairly flat two-dimensional comparison to be made with Kate McTierris' proposal, which basically goes, because the 001 slot is is super it is super important, I'm able to use it to turn myself into a god. And that is effectively what happens in this story, but it does it in a very different way, because this is commenting on the perceived importance of the 001 proposal and how it, it blows the importance of the article deeply out of proportion when you put an article in there, which I think also pissed off a lot of people who have yes. 001 proposals. Um, but essentially what happens is they discover the existence of a, an intensifying anomaly. Um, the 001 slot is not actually originally the way we see it today, full of all these world-ending, inconsistent-with-each-other anomalies. It's uh, a place where when a staff member retires, they put a little bit of a blurb about a minor anomaly that like mattered to them, maybe the first one that they did, the first one they worked with, or one that really you know, typifies their career, and they just put a little bit in there, and it's called the Heritage Collection, and everybody's got a little entry, and that's really nice. And then because of this, this oh, <laughs> horrific, intensifying, anomalous effect, they all become like massive, world-ending catastrophe things like they are in the 001 slot. And so what the Foundation does and it is a little hard to keep track of it because it's written precisely and correctly in a way that you have to be following along to, to really get it. Um, as the foundation tries to edit the document, as they begin to realize it's having this effect, every edit they do inadvertently makes the effect more powerful until they very near uh, un until they essentially turn the. Uh, the head of the Records and Information Security Administration, Maria Jones, into a goddess and also destroy uh, human language in a very, very problematic way because they keep editing the file and then the effect keeps intensifying and intensifying until it's basically like blown so far out of proportion that uh, things have gotten seriously unreal, which makes this his first, well, it's not his first, his first article was his first format screw, but this one's a big fucking format screw. There is a point in this article where the number one and the letter A cannot appear because um, they've been, because they're the firsts and first has been gotten rid of as a way of responding to this anomaly. Um, and it, it all cycles back until you realize that you actually started the story at the end of the story after the problem had been resolved. Uh, so it's a cyclical piece. It uses list pages to, to cycle through this, this, this journey of um, one woman in charge of a records uh, administration using her records administration powers to save the world from a, from a gigantic world-altering threat that happened because of the records. Yeah, and it, it, the process by which we get there is really interesting because it starts off with Maria Jones, who's the director of, of Riza, in a lot of different articles. This, this is not just placeholders thing. Rounder's got a whole series of, of uh, Maria Jones stories, and uh, you know people use her all the time. Though typically it's just a note in the beginning uh, from Maria Jones. Um, starts off with her investigating and kind of saying things like, "Listen, oh, one is supposed to be just maintains a placeholder designation." before this we were only ever storing these retirement proposals in there um 
The anomalies were documented uh, were to be referred to by the code names, the surname of the employee responsible for each proposal, um, and personnel possessing lower than level five clearance are to be informed the designation is kept vacant for administrative or technical <coughs> And then because the O1 is the first in the database, and because of what she's discovered that is believed to amplify certain aspects of the anomalies, these retirement proposals are, like you said, turning into these end-of-the-world things. These things that were just supposed to be personal pieces of uh, research uh, are these things that are now, you know, so huge they couldn't possibly all exist. Um, uh, and they exhibit a dramatic, less technical nature written in a more narratively appealing tone than would be expected from a standard research proposal. And the identification of these common characteristics led to the discovery of 001's theorized effect. Um, but... The thing is, is that the 001 slot has existed since 1970 and was apparently uploaded by Maria Jones. But A, she didn't work there then. Or if she did, no, she did work there, but she wasn't actually present on site on the day it was uploaded. But it supposedly was uploaded by her. And it was supposedly approved by the 05 Council. But there are no records associated with that. And there's no way of identifying who the author is. Um, right. And... There's this one line that's really quite interesting, that it's the possibility of a result from CK class reality restructuring events. Um, right. Which is this really fun way of directly addressing the fact that all these articles are pretty inconsistent. Some of them could exist in the same universe, but many of them are presented as this is the end-all be-all origin of the foundation. This is the end-all be-all end of the world or whatever. Um, and instead of saying, oh, there is no canon, this article says, well, actually, what if they all existed? Uh, and each time reality was restructured in some way. Um, and maybe that led to the 001 becoming what it is. Maybe not. It seems to be a side effect. Um, but it certainly affects two things or possibly both things. The Site 01 internal database and the memories of the Site 01 personnel and all other Foundation databases or memories of other Foundation personnel. Because in this second offset, we discover that there's a 001-A and there's no evidence this existing outside of the document. No personnel at Site 01 claim any knowledge of dash A. And then you find out dash A is Maria Jones. So we started right. off from the first offset, um, or actually not the first offset, but the, 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 the first next page, which it said that the four documents have uploaded to 001, um, is Maria Jones doing the actual investigation to somehow through this process of doing the investigation uh, and their attempts to do something about it. Her, Maria Jones has been erased. She's still around because she's still editing the document. Um and they're even recording, they, they find out that this her identification is tied to one single landline that they bug and and record an incoming call, which is her, even though it's unknown voice or whatever, uh, talking about how, uh, actually, um, I don't understand, you, they don't know that I'm real uh, and they've forgotten it, but it's really important um, that you don't think about the 001. Don't, don't consider it, don't research it, it doesn't matter. Because it's devouring me and it's going to devour everything else. The line with the devouring is one of my favorite lines he's it's written. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring it up here. I think it's on page two. I think it's devouring me. Yeah, the unidentified voice size. I think it's devouring me now. <laughs> and the foundation, in response to this, goes, 
uh, we're pretty sure this was manufactured by SCP-001 uh, in order to prevent its containment. So we shouldn't take this seriously. <laughs> right. Because in this universe, in this reality, uh, there is no director of RISA. That's always been taken care of by 05-1. 05-1 is the one that handles the the, uh, the RISA sort of high-level duties. Um, and there's a, you know, a note even for them saying, listen, there's no signs of any memory insertion or alterations. So if this is a reality structuring restructuring uh, anomaly, it's so complete, it's undetectable. And then you get to the third <laughs> offset, and it's, oh, they're gods. <laughs> Yes, it gets real, real fast. Uh, yeah, the Foundation is almost, well, no, it's not almost, is like a religious organization now that is all in service of uh, the primordial form and the archival form, which are two aspects of uh, competing deific experience, um, which is pretty sure, you know, one of them is 001 and one of them is Maria. Just Jones. Maria. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and this consistent, you know, tug of war to try and... Uh, you know and her continuing to try and edit the file is having worse and worse effect um we just talk about like how ballsy it is so this could be a fourth article oh, it's <laughs> so fucking, on that. It's oh my god it's, it's so fucking huge like his previous articles are um this guy accidentally poked a god and stole his name and gave him a dumb name that he can't not have anymore and um stuff written for the canon renaissance contest and the aiab thing um which is all really good stuff uh, but that's like it. That was his his career. He he wrote Integer. Uh, then the next thing he did was the theme for AIAD, like the CSS theme. Then he did a, a tale, and then he did an article, and then he did another SCP that was with somebody else uh, with, with Tiamat, I believe. And and then another tale, and it was all the AIAD stuff. And then this. Oh. So so really, outside of the team contest, he did one article and then a double O one. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and it's and that, this one. <laughs> and it's already, like, kind of, holy shit, I can't believe what's happening by the third offset. But by the fourth offset, it's just, like, slap you in the face. Yes. Because it's, and like, it's a completely different color scheme that we never used to see. I would argue we see it a little too often now. But... Um, the dark mode, yeah. <laughs> the dark mode with the red lettering and, you know, whatever. And also, like you said, the number one and the letter A are missing. So that's really fucking with your ability to read it. But of course, if you guys go look at it, you can just highlight everything and everything shows up. Um, That's right. That's very nice. Um, and it's like, um, it, this is where I was like, oh my God. I, I, it, it's so <laughs> funny because I had never read it since I crit it. And at right. the time I liked it. I was like, this is ballsy as fuck. And I was like, I can't believe you're doing this. What is this? What number <laughs> article is this? You are probably going to get a lot of hate for this. Um because it's a big challenge to the status quo. But my thing that I really love about it is, while it is, I think, directly critiquing the degree by which this community holds up the 001 proposals and and, and, and the prestige associated with it, and that everyone feels like it's such an important thing. And then, in some ways, there's so many of them now. How important could they really be? Um, but it's it's done with, like, in such a loving way. You know, like... Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's not mocking it at all. Yeah, right. Like, it, this is, I have, I think that there's a significant issue with this practice this community does, but also I think it's awesome. I think that's, right. that's really my takeaway here. So when people got, like, you know, when people were, like, kind of not happy with this because it's, like, oh, saying that, oh, maybe your 01 isn't that important, 
sure, it is kind of saying that, but it's not saying, you know, you shouldn't have fucking done it. Because obviously no. he's doing it. Uh, and look at the effort that was put into it. Uh, and I, I mean, the, the proof in that is the fact that it also makes very explicit reference to those because attached to it is a collaborative log, which is those heritage proposals that are mentioned, uh, which, which are 001 proposals scaled down to what would it be like if what you saw on the site was an anomalously inflated version of this. So, for example, Quantum's fucking key and lock is an egg timer. Uh, and and scan, uh, um, Swan's piece of paper that you flipped. Swan's? No, not Swan's. Um, Swan, Swan's every Jonathan Balls. Swan's um, article, which is everything is which is the path of physics, and it's a it's a database. And horror writers outside our universe are creating our universe. Is this is just the SCP database, yeah. and it's arranged pataphysically to be more interesting to read, so that people actually read it. So it's it's a scaled down version of yeah. each of those, and you can contribute to it. It hasn't been contributed to fairly recently, but it has a fairly hefty proportion of the 001s in it. Not mine, though. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, we were saying before that Kalanins is pretty controversial um, in a lot of ways, and it's this is probably the most controversial. Yeah, and 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 Kalanins, which is older than Tuftos, for example, Tuftos is over a thousand, um, rightfully so. Uh, Kalanins hasn't even hit 400, uh, right. which, you know, uh, understandable. Uh, it's a, it's a lot. <coughs> McDoctorates is like 240, 238, 232. Uh, 232 right now. Which I think was, is criminal. I think it's a lot higher. Like three I, I, years ago? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Almost, almost exactly three years ago. Yeah, I mean, especially in a world in which 620, uh, 6820 is like one of the more popular articles to come out in the last two years yeah why have more people not gone back and read this because if you like 6820 you'll fucking like this we'll say I, that that 6820 feels like what this one would have been in a way oh yeah like yeah. you could you could definitely like my my reasons for not liking it as much as as i do other articles are is based on just like it's a little high concept for my liking, just that's that's first and foremost. But also, like, it's a little, still a little finding, like, you're still finding the ropes a little bit. Yeah. And I do applaud the ballsiness of writing an 001 article, um, so fucking up. <laughs> a 001 piece as within, you know, like, your first, first five things. And I think that that is something commendable. But 6820 or any of the admonition stuff is much more put together. You could see the clear authorial vision. Yeah. Whereas this has a few issues, like it does feel like to me, it does feel a little bit disjointed. And I, I, as, as something you can look at to be like, oh, this is where it started. I could see where these concepts grew. And something I would like to see at some point is I don't know if I would like a rewrite, but some sort of like expansion or reimagining because placeholder would be the type of person where he can make a very, very long article where he takes these concepts in a very interesting way and turns them into it turns it into something grand or grander than it already is and i really do hope he does that yeah that would be pretty sensible he, he has done that a few times i mean that is what 6820 is and actually that's what all of the admonition is is, is doing yeah that. um the, the rise no canon that we wrote together was him and i basically rewriting um the breach that keeps on breaching 
hey, maybe someday we'll uh, we'll do an even crazier rewrite of both. Hmm, maybe. I want I want to read just one section of Offset Four, which is the one where all primacy has been erased, uh, and just just because it's really funny, it it, it makes them sound like. Um, P. Hudson Gawk from Totley Soft. It's just really funny to read like this. Addendums blue. Separations events red. Information from overseers councils, because every A is now EI. <laughs> Separations events red have, have occurred. We have traded these before chaoses for new chaoses. It makes them sound Canadian. These foundations will order these chaoses. Humanities will continue. Us we always have. We are a part in these darknesses, so is used maybe together in these lights. Displays errors. <laughs> it's just fucking funny to read. Because everything that would normally be singular is also now plural, because if it's singular, if it's if it's a single thing, then it's got primacy. So it's, it's had that removed from us as well. So not, we're not, we don't live in the dark so that you can, we don't die in the dark so you can live in the light. We are apart in these darknesses so you may be together in these lights. And this is one thing he just, he's better at than pretty much anybody. And definitely this is shit I can't do is he can think through a really lunatic premise that will make it very difficult to write something. And then he can write it. He commits to the bit. And he does that in, like, so many things, where he goes, 682 has been erased from reality. What would an article look like if it had been erased from reality, and how would you write that? And then he did. He's got a piece coming out fairly soon where he, he does that in an equally crazy measure. He's very good at high-concept wackiness in a way that I don't think I would ever be able to compete with. Yeah. Everybody's got a niche. Yeah, and I agree with Plague that I think that this is the evolving form like you can that's why oh. i said that like you by reading this you can see where admonition came from not that there's a one-to-one -one sort of thing yeah and i sure. get the and i get the um the critique that it's that it feels a little disjointed but i think that this is just and maybe it's just me because i really really enjoy this kind of writing and sometimes i even try to do it though i don't always uh where you're just you're telling a lot of the story uh, you know, off the page, like there's a lot of yeah. In between, you know, but it's not even between the lines because there's a sense that you have to be trying to catch up with what could have happened in between <laughs> the reality restructurings, and you. Right. And it doesn't it doesn't matter if there's an exact answer that you've come up with. Sometimes it's just a feeling. Um, but because I think the reason this works for me is the same reason that I like Lynch so much is that this is not written like Lynch would write something. But right. this is trying to just evoke, you know, a certain state of mind when you get to each new uh, oh. instance. And right. There like, is a legitimate amount of puzzling it out that's required. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, and, I, and I'm sure, you know, and I'm sure he's talked about it. And I'm sure you could sit down and he would talk for 30 minutes about what, it, you know, what is actually happening in each one. But I like so much that this never stops to say, here's what happened. Um, right. Although the last one does. Um, and I, I think it has to because it, it, it's it's kind of the payoff in a lot of ways. Um, uh, what's kind of funny is you're introduced to the payoff before you know it's the payoff. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing I really like about it is this proposal that is pushed onto them is this. We've mentioned a couple times the concept of primacy. Primacy being uh, something being the first and or the best of any set of 
ordered things. So the first yeah. letter in an alphabet, the first number in a list of numbers, um, the first word that is considered, you know, whatever. Um, and my favorite part is when they're like, listen, the way that we're going to solve this is we're going to eradicate the, a concept of primacy from the human conception, like take it out of the noosphere. Um, uh, it, it's going to cease being an issue. Uh, these people are not trying to write something in such a way to avoid using the word A or the number one. They don't have that concept. It's gone. It's gone. Um, my favorite part about it is within this thing, it says the process's potential detriment to humanity is unknown. Any uh, prime associated concepts, including unity, individuality, etc., are likely to be removed from the newosphere. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> Which is my favorite. It's just like, okay, this is all the lead up to why we shouldn't do this. And then, so just when you phrase it that way, that does really, really lead into the way admonition works. Yeah, because they do that every time. Is 100%. <laughs> Here, we have this problem. And it's maybe not a huge problem. Like, we have 682 basically under control. But we really want to solve this problem. Let's do something fucking insane and almost just destroy the universe. <laughs> the to get absolute worst solution possible. Like, it's just... It's just <laughs> well, it, yeah. Yeah, admonitions or even this one is foundation of fucking around and finding out yeah yeah right? yeah yeah finding the real big time yeah. and it's always the thing that like gw talked about the first time he was on where let's go to the logical like ending right. of this idea and placeholder right. does that so well does it really well here where it's like okay so the one's weird right we all know that it's weird here's how we think we could deal with that problem and then just kind of keep going down this like logical fucking fallacy uh, roller coaster until you get to the point where like the human race no longer has the concept of the number one or the letter a like it's just what the <laughs> fuck um and it's also a thing that he likes to do uh, that happens in the Rise Now canon as well, where the page starts out on a nice, clean, white screen yeah. page where it's nice, and then suddenly shit gets real and the page turns red. Yeah, but I mean, like, as much as the fourth offset, uh, the fourth document is visually stunning, uh, and I don't I don't mean stunning like it's beautiful, although I do like the look of it, it's, it's just kind of, like I said, a slap to the face. But really, in conceptual, the third offset was already doing that because we oh, went, yeah. we went we went from riser director uh, Maria Jones is investigating this weird thing, um, and we're going to see what happens. And then riser director Maria Jones never existed, and no one has any idea who the fuck you're talking about. Uh, but she does <laughs> exist, and she's still able to leave voice message voicemails to. Um, if you read between the lines, Maria Jones is not only still around; she's a god, uh, but not. Yeah. Not because she wanted to be, <laughs> because oh one has gotten so out of control, and she has gotten so intertwined with the concept of oh one that she's now just kind of being taken along for the ride. And she's just trying to find a way to fix it in her own archival way. Right. Uh, uh, well, there uh, should be some friggin' uh, Tumblr shipping art with uh, Mary Nakayama from um, Materius's proposal and yeah. Maria Jones. Yeah. From <laughs> The way I describe this and admonition is the foundation discovers a, a, a relatively minor problem, a problem that they are seemingly <laughs> handling it, and decides to correct it with a grenade. <laughs> like every time, it's just like, what if we subtract this from the newest sphere? No, don't do that. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I don't like what I'm seeing. So, what if I punch myself in the eye? <laughs> yeah, like on a metaphysical level. <laughs> right. 
which I, you know, um, it's funny because I had never attempted to write anything like this. And the, the end of Hecatontries is my first attempt to like seriously write something like this. Although also, it doesn't go all the way because there's a lot of narrative stuff in there as well. But the actual. I was very surprised when I saw that, when I saw the anomaly that you wrote in it and it ties in super well. And it was like, wow, this is, you, you're actually, you're going all out for the ending here. Well, it was the idea, and I'm not going to spoil it because people should just got to read my series. Fucking there's go a, read it. There's a thing I introduced in the second article that is continuing to be the B plot. Uh, throughout the series of articles it's not the main problem it's not the conflict that is pushing forward the plot but it is consistently brought up and is affecting one of the main characters in a significant way and through her is affecting the events of the main plot and i was like i am not walking away from this series without paying this off you gotta have that gunfire eventually right you did and, very and, satisfyingly and i was like but this thing that i have been saying i i knew what it was in my head the whole time um i never openly said what it was um it was just sort of this mindless you know bodiless thing that had a voice in another reality um but i had always decided i always knew what it was but because of what i had said what it was in my head and through what i'd implied i was like oh this can't be about somebody going into an abandoned warehouse full of weird shit like that is not the way that this problem is dealt with there cannot and it, there is an exploration log but it's like just sort of there to like help explain what the results are right it's it's weird newosphere stuff noosphere stuff because it has to be um i have the phrase famous occulta in there <laughs> right well, this is the beauty. The beauty of it is uh, we we come with our own talents and ideas, and then the talents and ideas of others rub off on us. It oh, makes yeah. us all better. So. I was literally going through all of Place's articles and all of Admonition to be like, how do you? How does one write anything like this? <laughs> like I wasn't trying to copy it, but it was just no, like, no. I get you. How I don't write things like this. Um, yeah, it's not the usual style. Yeah. I don't write high concept anomalies that are affecting all of human existence but i need to do that here because that's what i've set up and i don't feel like it would pay off otherwise right um so yeah uh place if you're listening to this episode uh thank you you really inspired me with this one and admo and, and obviously admonition is also by with Liren and many other authors yes. so it's not just placeholders but yeah. yeah hey if you like uh if you like placeholders writing uh or if you like my writing we both got some articles coming out sometime within the period of the 20s in november so you know just watch out for that oh well, don't go into detail you know just no big deal anyway uh yeah okay so uh we have uh, any last thoughts about oh1s in general about any of these three what do you think fog um i think these are all very strong pieces i recommend that everybody out there reads if not all of them check out one of them I recommend Top Toes. Um, yeah, I think what all of these show, and if you check out the other episode as well, where we go over some shorter ones, I think it really does show that the, the CP wiki format, as well as um, something that's looked at as one of the most important benchmarks of the SCP wiki itself, is very malleable. Mm -hmm. um, you can do a lot with the format, you can do a little with the format, it all depends on what you want to write. And the story you want to tell so 
if you're looking to write or if you're having some writer's block keep on reading and keep on seeing what other people do because that is the best way for sure get ideas and show your own player as well absolutely an interesting it's a tangent but it's related if you think that an scp or anything on the wiki should be blank that there should only be this kind of article should be by me <laughs> um if you think that there is a, a concrete like boundary as to what can or cannot be on the scp wiki uh, or should not be or even if you just have that fate not like you're some gung-ho you know have a, a soapbox to stand on but just kind of think oh this doesn't feel i want to point out that uh years ago uh and still so much of the comic book industry in america anyway not not in europe uh or japan in america is dominated by superheroes such a huge amount even the independent stuff even stuff by image and dark horse etc it's not just marvel and dc so much of the monthly books that are brought out and remembered are people putting on costumes to fight crime in stupid ways i love superheroes, <laughs> but it's all stupid years and years ago uh, like 40 years ago a guy named harvey Picar started writing stories about his everyday life and hiring artists to come in and illustrate it because he couldn't draw worth shit and he drew little stick figures uh, in breaking out what the images should be in, and he trusted the artist to write it up. And he was a guy who worked in a medical records department in a hospital uh, and was obsessed with writing academic papers on history. And when asked why he wrote stories about his everyday life, shit like him going to get a piece of pie or having an argument with his wife or whatever, he said, comic books are just words and pictures. You can tell any story with words and pictures. <laughs> and that's what the SCP Wiki is. Anything can be told thing. here. Anything. And it has been, and it will be. And if you think something like 6500 doesn't fit, or if you think blank doesn't fit, you're wrong. If it's surviving and it's found an audience, that's great. And that's also to say that if you have an idea that you think, oh, won't work because it's a little bit too much outside the box, all three of these examples should be uh, a big wake-up call that, like Plague said, it's fucking malleable as hell. You could do almost anything in there as long as you try to to fit the the ideas of the clinical language. Um, you can force feed your way into all different ways of narratives that can work really well. Absolutely, our boy over here got a 001 that's composed largely of things that were deleted. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is awesome. You can make literally anything work, even things that haven't worked. You can make work if you. That's absolutely I true. That. I love that so fucking much. It's so great. Uh, maybe someday I'll actually have oh, one idea. Probably not though. Maybe someday. Oh, I'll that's a five. that's a change from the last time we heard about his. Well, now I've done one. So you know, like yeah. it's stupid, but like it also was like, you know, it was a joint thing, and it's <laughs> all a joke. But I don't know. I mean, whenever Gregory goes absolutely, whenever Gregory goes absolutely not, there is an unspoken until except for um i will we will never absolutely talk about a lot of gois no god no but um yeah well i think the reason that i i'll just say the reason i was holding back the reason i felt like i never could is because any big idea that i had that wasn't connected to hecaton trees or like victim or whatever 
just didn't make sense. And I feel a little bit free having finished Hackathon Trees. Uh, uh. And I have a really big idea I'm working on right now, although it will not be on the SLP wiki. Um, and it's, it, it just feels like a burden has been lifted. <laughs> yep, getting a series done is not unlike taking a great big dump and then having a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Got anyway. all that shit out of there, and I feel squeaky clean. I'm ready to do something new. All right. Uh, so that's that's my non-poetic way of uh, yeah, following no, up no, a, poetic it's, explanation it's, of how writing very, is beautiful. It's, it's it's a valid way of describing finishing something. Certainly. Um, so, I guess I could have gone with pregnancy, but I don't really have much experience with that. That's fine. Uh, uh, anyway, all right. Uh, so we had got actually gotten two emails. Um, because Gosh. I didn't bother to send you guys an outline yeah, this time. Yeah, no fucking outline this time because we had three articles. Three articles. <laughs> it just seems silly. Uh, I'll just read the emails, but then please uh, feel free to respond. All right. Uh, first email is from Real Surreal Sir. Um, Surreal Sir. Hey, glad to hear Plague will be back on. Always love his humor and commentary. Yeah. Anyway, oh. <laughs> anyway, my question this time for whoever among y'all wants to give their takes. Real surreal, so you gotta you gotta start structuring the sentences better. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what some of the least conventional 001 proposals uh, that you really you still really like, whether in spite of or even because of how it differs or subverts the tropes? Uh, uh-huh. Rounders red tape series of 001s don't count too easy. Uh, hot take: I don't think they do subvert the tropes. That's not the point of them. No, they're not subversive. That's not the main thing. Yeah. They, they subvert lore, but that's not yeah. they're not subversive in format. Right. Well, they are. They. They're not subversive now in format because they would have been storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 execution and, and quality of world building and scope. That's what makes those special, and it makes them very special. Also, because it's all about redefining lore, uh, and yet somehow is like incredibly readable. So, right? like, that's that's hard to do, guys. Exposition yeah. is hard, and when you make to it get interesting, this... you've done a good job. Surrounded to get the same game. feeling where you're watching a movie and it's happening and you're just into it and have, to have that work with writing is a very seriously cool skill to have yeah, yeah. um so is, does the email continue or are we on that question no that's just that's the question uh scantrons i like scantrons it's fucking weird it's the one where the foundation is an alien entity that appears in a barn in a, in a gym one day and just starts oh. gibbering about containment like the foundation is just extruded into reality, wanting to contain and it's, hire and it's scientists. A, it's a UIU uh, document, yeah. right? Oh god, yeah. yeah, that one's so good. Yeah, completely unheadcanonable, but it's really entertaining, and I like it. They're just like the foundation is this eldritch thing that just shows up in a school gymnasium and starts trying to make the SCP Foundation and starts like creating G-men and scientists <laughs> and going out and grabbing stuff. And the UIU is sitting there going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> really like that one it's incredible unusable for basically anything at all but it's a really but that's, good one that's most of the O ones though yeah most of them are uh, kind of hard to build off of except for maybe on another you know uh, like rounder can build off of gold proposal to make J proposal but like it's hard to like say oh I'm going to use Memento Mori to tell a story like no right <laughs> It's true. It's, it already has told the story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you guys, what would you say is an unusual one or a non-conventional one? Looking through the list. Or... Um, I mean, I went, we went over Kalenin's and 
places, which are both pretty solid. I would yeah. say, not to my own horn, I, me and uh, oh, Davey sure Fools Last ride of the day are the, sake. <laughs> yeah, are the only really funny ones. Or the ones that are actively going for humor. Hey, Davey right. Fools got two um, of them now. Well, two of them, yeah. Uh, let me see. The human What's that one element? fish hook? Oh, the fish hook. Fish hook yeah. is... Um, let me actually do yeah. Put it in feed. Oh, I would say yeah, Nico's it, it, proposal is a really good recent one that's very unusual. Just the tail. Nico's is very unusual because Nico's goes right back to basics. It's like a short tail that makes a yeah. like primal point. Um, I really like. I mean, other than the ones we talked about today, I, yeah. I think both Kalanins and. Uh, placeholders are really good answers to this situation uh to this question uh but if we're not going to pick one of those um something recent i, I think nagiros's uh recent rage, rage yeah. is fucking incredible and really underrated and um it very much breaks the mold right from the first page yeah it's completely crazy uh to the point where i still don't really know what's going on and i don't fucking care david lynch again <laughs> yeah uh, it's very um, deep well site 17 which is something nagaros has done for a long time and really really well she's just very very i've always been a huge fan of nagaros um and uh i'm probably saying her name wrong but uh i think that one is one to really yeah look that's at. a like, very good one to pick it, up it, it, it breaks the mold entirely I would also say I like I always like Pikmin's uh, story of your life, which is just a tale, <laughs> just straight up doesn't even pretend. <laughs> it's it's the process of writing a 001. Well, okay, we got another email, uh, which is from Dino Draws. Uh, Dear simply creative people, howdy hi. This is my first time sending an email, but I've been scampering about and listening to episodes as listening to make my procrastination brain write SCP stuff. After I initially found y'all via the nobody episode. That was that was a hard sentence to, to read. <laughs> uh, there's one main thing I'm curious about Regardless in terms of crit. today's episode. And Strong if this is a man. really loaded question, I do apologize. But what does, how does one go about conceptualizing an 001 proposal? What makes an 001 an 001 opposed to a normal SCP? Is it some massive affecting thing? TM? TM. Uh, <laughs> something large and lore establishing? I've read a few and want to know what you guys think. Uh, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving Eat good food, drink good drinks. Yeah, good I did have a good Thanksgiving in October. Oh yeah, Canada. <laughs> um, we kind of hit on this earlier in the episode, and also in the last one. But on the conceptualizing point, that's one of the hardest things to answer. I'd say, Harry, if you agree with me there, let me know. I think like mm -hmm. you kind of just get a feeling. You know, yeah, like, that's what I was gonna say. That was the answer I was gonna see do. it. You're out there and, and like, you go, oh, this is a, this is a 001. <laughs> I could, like, when I first got my 001 idea, I was sort of just going through my older stuff. I wanted to rewrite them and post them back to the site. And then at the same time, I was working on rewriting um, 7001. And that one is about, like, Site 19 being the manifestation of the Foundation's containment. Right. It's just like a concept brought okay. into the real world. So just that idea compounded with like working on an older deleted article of mine kind of just like combined in my head. And I was like, huh, 
what would be the in-universe explanation for why this thing doesn't exist? Because for a period of time, for about a year and a half, my first article was on the site and was being contained in universe, then randomly it disappeared and never to be spoken of again. What happened? So I started out with trying to figure out an idea for that. And then at that point, when the anomaly sort of formed and I had the general structure I wanted to go for, I was like, yeah, this could be my one. So it's sort of like that lightning bolt moment that I've talked about a few times on here where you get an idea and you write it and you look at it and you're like, I could do, or you just think about it, not even writing it. You're like, I can make this my, well, let's say it's 8,000 contents. This could be my 8,000 contents entry. This could be my 001. This is just a main slot article. Once you get into the nitty gritty of writing for the wiki, you'll kind of get those feelings of knowing, hey, this is going to be a special one. And yeah. there will be certain ways you approach it that'll be much differently and certain ways that you approach it that'll be the exact same through how you'll write a normal article. Yeah, that was that was exactly what happened. Uh, that was actually the answer I was going to give. Uh, it's that like, when Ip and I were writing it, we got to a certain point and we'd established a certain amount of backstory and we had characters coming in and it was using stuff from his canon. It was using a lot of stuff from my canon. We had a lot of historical stuff. We were doing a lot of foundation world building. We were explaining an element of the of the of the site, and I was doing an absolute ton of extremely high effort photoshops for it. And after a certain point, I'm looking at it and I'm going, "This is a double one." And if I didn't want to say it to him because he already had a few, and I was worried that he'd say no, so I was sitting there staring at it like. Mm -hmm. And eventually, he started trying to pick a number, and he's like, well, "How about this number? How about this number?" And I went. Yeah, how about this number? <laughs> how, how about zero zero one? And he went, "Oh yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, I could do that." Yeah, because <laughs> it, it, it just after a while we realized that was what it was. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I say uh, I have said before it's what that we I say it is. Can't see myself doing it because of the idea. You haven't had that yet. Yeah, I mean, I've had lots of big ideas, but they were all within a framework of something, you know. Like yeah. uh, everything so far that has been really big ideas that I've had um, have been applying to a continuing narrative or something else. Um, and most of the time when I have those kind of lightning bolt moments, they are very, because this is the way that I write, uh, very like uh, small stories with maybe emotional like resonance. Mm -hmm. um, even though I'll write about big, you know end of the world stuff as well like that's never the point that i'm discussing so i've always kind of felt like if an idea occurs to me that i think is too big to fit into an scp or needs to be an 01 then then i'll write it but so far i've yeah, never had that right. idea um except for in the period where i was like i don't know maybe if we don't win we should turn 6500 into an 01 <laughs> 6500 yeah for um, sure because that's a world-altering threat, which is how Dark Stuff defines 001s as their the, the number one priority right now. But in reality, so many of them, I don't think that that. So yeah, I, no, I, no, I, they I, don't. Like Plague was but just saying before we got into the emails, these are so malleable. Um, oh yeah. If you genuinely look at something that is an 01 and say, I don't know if this feels like an 001, you're wrong. Is right. it succeeding? That's all that matters. <laughs> Did everybody else, did we collectively decide it probably is one? Then fucking deal with it. Um, if, yeah, if the I, author I, decided to post it as an O one and it's doing well enough to succeed, it is one. Maybe you don't like it as much. You know, and there are plenty of these that I don't like that are very popular. Oh, yeah. uh, so, you know, 
Like well, I, uh, and this is not on Dino Draws. This is just a general thing. Um, but like, like the, like Plague and, and Harry were just saying. I think it just occurs to the writer at the time of conceptualizing. I doubt anyone steps out. Yeah, it's why I say I maybe won't do one because I can't imagine sitting down and going, "Okay, now I need to think of an idea that isn't O one." I think that will not work. Right, like when I wrote my third article, there is an occurrence in it that refers to a thing that, while I was writing that article, I went, "That thing's a double O one, and it still will be. <laughs> it comes out at the end of the next book as a double O one because I've had this thing that was so definitely my canon's main double O one that it's been that way since the third article, yeah. and eventually articles just start referring to the characters." as 001 even though the article hasn't been written yet because they will be eventually because I, <laughs> I just you did that and i was like wait which 001 are you talking about and you're like none don't, of them just don't uh you know if i get there <laughs> you'll find out <laughs> it kind okay. of bothered me it very slightly bothered me when i got placeholders draft for his 001 and he had them had it in one of the iterations it's, it's classed high mall which is two anomalies containing each other i'm like Damn it, I was going to have the first Dino 001. You know what else? It's the first 001. I'm pretty sure the way it ends adds ACS later on. I think Placeholder's proposal was the first 001 to use the ACS at the top of the page. I'm almost 100% sure it was. Nobody else had the guts because because there was when we started writing, you could get frequently downvoted for using ACS at the top of your page. So I think I'm pretty sure McDotrick's proposal was the first 001 to use it, including Cactus, for whom ACS was created. <laughs> uh huh. Which is pretty crazy. Also, because people you just don't give a shit. I'll post whatever I want because they don't like formatting. It just sucks unless it's literally hard to read. Like if it's really ugly, bad, hideous formatting. Yeah, like okay, it's but all not. Like, but, like, it's like an orange page with neon purple text. Like okay. But yeah. even then, like, are you downvoting or are you just leaving a comment saying, hey, this is, this looks hard to read? Hey, let's talk about the fact that when you downvote something, what you're saying is you want it to be off the wiki. Right. You're not just saying I don't like this. You're saying I think personally this should not be on the page. This should not be housed on the SCP wiki. So yeah. maybe think about that when you downvote. <laughs> anyway, they've definitely lost that fight with the uh, ACS. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, mean, like, you know. We, like all the things that slowly changed, you know, like the way that like narrative is such an important part of SCPs now. Like it just kind of kept on going because that's what people wanted to do and people could complain about it. But eventually they just stopped having the energy to complain about it because it just kept happening. Things change. Things change. Lots of things have changed. I mean, it, you used to get discs, you used to get disciplinary procedures for upvoting your own articles for fuck's sake. <laughs> Good God. Are you serious? Yep. As the wise man said, the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. I'm trying to see if I have anything that's ACS. No. Hey, it, like, did, did we use ACS on 5486? Uh, yeah, I think we did. I might have changed it. Oh, well, maybe. Oh, no. I guess this is ACS. Yeah, it's just a very. And I've used it on almost every SCP I have. I, I don't have any problem with it. Uh, I, I, I just don't like it so much because it doesn't it matches the style of what i do so i mean it doesn't oh yeah the style i'm not saying yeah i'm not i'm not chatting. everybody's got their own headers you've got that one well, i like use an altered version i use an altered version where i just show, show the object class because after writing how many articles have i written 
like probably eh, like 39 SCPs at this You're point. Just tired of risk classes. <laughs> I got tired. Yeah, I got tired. Like even now, I got tired of like three years on the site having to go and check. Hey, is this the right one? I just got rid of that, so it just shows the object class. Yeah. Bro, I got like 50-something SCPs, and I do not lie, I go to Chrome and I look up ACS guide every single time to decide if yep. it's risking. The, <laughs> there's no amount that will keep those 10 options correctly hierarchized in my own head. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I don't use it. It's not because I think it's bad. It's because I don't want to cause... I don't want the reader to have to go look something up the moment they open it up, if they care about it. Yeah, I, I say it with, with a, a deep and abiding sense of love for everyone who takes the time to read anything I've written. Um, if you have a comment about my object or class or uh, my ob object class or uh, risk class or disruption class, I like strongly, just lovingly invite you to share that with yourself and anyone else who cares, because it's not me. Yeah, um, crit about crit that is perfectly subjective. This didn't land for me, or <laughs> I yeah, fuck, I, don't do that. I, one. I, I don't, I, I don't think this is the right class, or I don't think this is the right risk class, or whatever. That's not helpful to anyone. It's not constructive. It doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't do anything for any other reader. It's just you saying, I want my opinion to be heard. If you can, that's not to say don't leave, like if something doesn't land for you, don't not leave a comment, but give actual yes. like examples. Like no. think about like, why it didn't. No, why no, no. why examples, didn't this work yeah, for why? you? And you know what? Constructive criticism is not just not being mean. What right. would it, it yeah. made it land for it, you? It's helping to construct. It's thinking of something that will allow the author to improve the work. And let me tell you, like, just like this tiny little thing, when you start to suggest in your crit or in commentary with another author, I think you should have done it this way. Almost certainly that author is thinking, why don't you go write that article? <laughs> because I wrote this one. <laughs> um, I always find that. I don't even, I don't get annoyed by that crit, but I just always think it's funny when people are like, basically you're proposing a completely different article. <laughs> Which is fine, but that's not. I'm not gonna rewrite the entire core premise. That's unless it somehow I'm just blind to the fact that this doesn't work at all. This is just a subjective you thing. <laughs> like it's not what you expected, so you wanted something else. Which is again also not constructive. Anyway, um, let's see. Yeah, I think that's about it. So uh, yeah. why don't nothing we... less nothing less left to bitch about. <laughs> For now, hey, it's 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 my show. We can do it. We'll probably. Like I want to. It's, it's it's our party, and we can whine if we want to. That's we right. can uh, probably bet that at some point we'll have another double one episode. <laughs> probably, uh, I will be back. Yeah, but uh, like PGP, we'll else. return in well, yeah, something. Always, I'm always gonna want you back. I hang. I like hanging out with you. So you cool dudes. <laughs> Uh, all right, so our emails, if you want to send in emails, and they do not have to be on the specific subject of the show. You can send in a general email with questions um, or just like, here's a cool thing I thought, um, and we will read it as long as it's not offensive. Um, the email address is simplycreativepeople at gmail.com. The Twitter for the show is at S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T. My Twitter is Gregory, at Gregory Carpin. 
at Harry Blank S C P. And play them on platforms. Yeah, plague and, PJP, plague PJP, plague PJP. And also, uh, if you don't like Twitter, which is perfectly fair, uh, on everything else, I'm also at Gregory Carpet. So Instagram and Tumblr and blah 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 blah. Um, yeah. So Harry, tell us a funny joke to end the the the, the episode. Uh.